This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. There is hints in the air here that Soto to the Yankees is picking up steam. The Yankees came into this offseason and they had to do something dynamic. I've been told that talks have reignited and intensified between the Yankees and the Padres. Candidate squared off just 150 miles from North Alabama as News Nation hosted the fourth and likely final Republican presidential debate. From personal attacks to border security to parental rights, the candidates worked to sway Republican voters, especially women and younger generations. The debate got off to a fiery start with candidates going at one another within minutes. That contentious attitude continued throughout the night. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. The fact of the matter is we know from her history, Nikki will cave to those big donors when it counts. In terms of these donors that are supporting me, they're just jealous. They wish that they were supporting them. This is the fourth debate. The fourth debate that you would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. And while they hit back and forth at one another, one figure did remain absent, and that's former President Donald Trump. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie spoke to this, saying Trump's candidacy is the current biggest problem in the country. We've had these three acting as if the race is between the four of us. The fifth guy, who doesn't have the guts to show up and stand here... He's the one who, as you just put it, is way ahead in the polls. I'm in this race because the truth needs to be spoken. He is unfit. The controversial congestion pricing plan took a big step forward today. The MTA board voting to approve charging drivers to enter Manhattan below 60th Street. It'll be $15 for most cars. Truckers will pay even more. People are already worried about what it means for parking. As congestion pricing becomes closer to a reality, those living on the Upper West Side concerned about traffic and lack of parking on their streets. Officials say companies are supporting congestion pricing because of the high cost of congestion roads to their bottom line. Excess traffic congestion is costing the New York City region over $20 billion a year. A new poll is out, and it's not good news for New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Only 28% of voters surveyed by Quinnipiac University approve of the job the mayor's doing. The Quinnipiac University poll showing the mayor has the lowest job approval rating since the late 1990s. The latest Quinnipiac University poll numbers for Mayor Adams are at a record low. Overall, only 28% of registered voters who were polled approve of the mayor's job performance. 58% disapprove. The mayor is just about two years into his term. On major issues like crime, the migrant crisis, schools and homelessness, the mayor's disapproval rating from voters in the poll 
is high. In fact, Quinnipiac University says Mayor Adams' approval rating is an all-time low for mayors since the university began polling voters back in the 1990s. Tonight, millions of Jewish families across the world are lighting their Hanukkah candles to usher in the Festival of Lights. Here in our area, dozens of celebrations were held to mark the joyous occasion. CBS 2's Hannah Klieger shows us how these faith communities are coming together to dispel darkness. Brooklyn's largest menorah towers above crowds of dancing people at Grand Army Plaza. Just a little bit of light. A night of blessings, gifts, and joyous celebration. The lighting of this giant menorah has been a tradition in this community for decades now. And the rabbi says with every year, the crowd and the festivities just get larger. This year, we're, we're honoring two people. We're honoring Ron Duguay, who I know is a good oh! friend of yours. But who else? Who else you honor besides Ron Duguay? Who's the second guy? The second guy, it's very important that you show up because the second guy is going to be you. What? We're honoring, we're honoring Ron Duguay and Steve Rosenberg. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Come, Stevie, stop, stop. You being serious? I'm telling you, we're announcing it right now live. It's Ron and you, baby. Come on. Yep. For yep. real? Absolutely, because of your great support of the police, and we know that. Oh, my Everybody God. knows that. Oh, my God. And so this year, we're, uh, we're, we're honoring both of you guys. You're going to come, you know, it's going to be great. to me yesterday. I had no idea the last voice you heard in that great open put together by Justin Ellick. Six stories in there is Little Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt, Little Stevie from Bruce Springsteen's East Street Band. That's why you get Secret Garden right here by Bruce. Also, of course, played Silvio Dante 
Tony Sopranos, consigliere on the Sopranos. A great guy, tremendous actor, and one of the greatest musicians ever. That's not even up for debate. And he puts on this major ball every year for the police. Yes, he is a celebrity. Yes, he despises Donald Trump just like Bruce. But he loves the cops. You'll never hear Stevie talk about defunding the police. In fact, Stevie wants to fund the police. So last year, Stevie and uh, Mike Sullivan, my dear friend, Mr. Brennan and Carl Mike Sullivan, and Frank Carone was honored last year. My dear friend Frank Anthony was there. I love Anthony. Uh, they invited me and Danielle for the first time ever to the Little Stevens Policeman's Ball, which I believe is at the Mandarin Hotel. I forgot already. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous venue. In fact, the first person I bumped into that night was Ron Duguay. He was wearing a green velvet sport jacket. His girlfriend, Sarah Palin, was not there. He was alone. And I'm like, Dukes, what are you doing here? And a year later, of course, they're going to honor me and Dukes. But I went to this uh, Stephen Van Zandt policeman's ball last year. You guys remember, Lewis. And it was a great night. Every major cop is there, all of them. Paul DiGiacomo, my dear friend from the DEA, Jeffrey Madry. I think Adams showed up later on that night. The commissioner was not there. But I think Eddie Caban is going to come this year. And it's a wonderful event, raising a lot of money for needy kids and cops. And they had Gary U.S. Bonds. It was great. He's coming back this year. It was a really cool event. So they, they called me a couple of weeks ago, Sully, and invited me to come back this year. And so Van Zandt texted me. Yes, yes, believe it or not, folks, I actually text back and forth with little Stevie. Huh? Who's got the biggest dick in the room right now? Well, I'm the only one here, so I guess I do, but kind of cool. Whether you love his politics or not, Lou, when you think about I get texts from little Stevie asking me to come on my show. I said, of course, come on and promote the event, of course. So he came on yesterday to promote this glorious event, honoring our cops. But then he threw that on me. We're going to honor you. Ryan Duguay and you. Couldn't tell whether you were really surprised or not. Oh, I swear to God, on my um, the memory of my father on my children, <laughs> Ava and Gabriel, I had no idea. I had no idea. I was shocked. Are you being uh, sarcastic or? Well, no. Because I am you, a pretty good actor. No, you. that's why. You did a good. Yeah. You, you fell backwards. You did your backwards thing and you yeah. put your head back. And, no, it was true. Yeah. 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 I, I had no idea. I. I thought you you didn't know. I didn't know. No. I, I could tell. And again, I'm, you know, I, I do act. In fact, I've got huge news. If you go to my Instagram page right now, I compel you folks every morning to go because I've got so much cool stuff going on. You go to my Instagram page right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, not at Sid Rosenberg, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, talking about acting, you're going to see, this is unbelievable, I got a call yesterday, too, from Danny A., the great Danny A. You know him, folks. You know him. All those great movies, The Irishman, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street. Long story short, Danny made this great movie last year called Gemini Lounge, which they changed the title to Inside Man. And I was in it, you know, me, Bo Deedle, a host of others, and some great actors, Lucy Hale, Emile Hirsch, and it was about the old Gemini Lounge Bar in Brooklyn. 
And then the, the strike happened, you know, but he, he had been on the show talking about the next movie that he wanted to do, which was about those two infamous mob cops from Brooklyn. You remember those guys, Caracappa, Epolito? That was a major story. These are cops in New York who turned out to be hitmen in real life. So he's been talking about making this movie ever since he made Inside Man slash Gemini Lounge. And sure enough, yesterday in my email, I received over 200 pages the script for what he's calling right now, at least, on the take with my part in the movie. So I actually got the script, and I was told by Danny A. yesterday that we start shooting mid-January back in Los Angeles. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What kind of day is this? First, Stephen Van Zandt, Sopranos, Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band is going to honor me. And then literally three hours after that, I get a script from Danny A. This is going to be an epic, epic, major, major motion picture. Trust me. I've got a bigger role in this one than Inside Man, but I'm in this movie. I mean, what, what? Pinch me. So then it doesn't even end there. You ready for this, Lewis? No. So then after uh, Stevie does this on the radio show yesterday, which, again, I'm humbled and honored, and I get the script from Danny A for this next epic movie, which is going to be a huge hit, trust me. Don't forget, we got screwed with Inside Man because... It was during the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So those guys were not allowed to promote the movie at all, at all. I did on the radio show, but there was no promotion allowed. That movie was fantastic. So this one is going to go go right through the roof. Then I get a, a phone call from Gavin Wax, and he happens to be the um, the guy that runs the New York Young Republicans Club. I know nothing about these people other than my dear friend Tom Kniff, you know Tom, served this country proudly, ran for DA against that low-life scumbag Alvin Bragg, and now represents the hero Marine Daniel Penny, who saved lives on a subway one day, but that didn't stop Alvin Bragg from getting the grand jury to indict this poor guy. But Kniff is his attorney, Kniff and Razor, so this guy's in good hands. So Kniff says to me a couple of days ago, are you coming to Cipriani's on Saturday night? And I go, for what? The one down by uh, Wall Street, not Casa Cipriani, where I went a couple of weeks ago with Kanchowitz and Corona and all those guys. I said, for what? He goes, well, your friend is going to be there. I said, my friend, who's that? He goes, Trump. I go, I got to tell you, I know nothing about this. So Gavin Wax ends up reaching out to me. He runs his club again, the New York Young Republicans Club, and sure enough, President Trump is in town. He has to go to court tomorrow, I guess, and he's going to speak. He's the keynote speaker at this event at Cipriani's on Saturday night. Not only am I invited, not only are they sending out flyers with my face on it, I swear to God, (laughs) sitting friends in the morning, I swear to you. It's on my Instagram page, too. you got to look at this. The 111th Annual Gala Featuring honored guest, host of Sid and Friends in the Morning, New York's number one talk show, Sid Rosenberg. With that picture you like, Lewis. Look like a mobster. Okay. Unbuttoned black shirt, purple jacket, looking sideways. So anyway, (laughs) he goes on to tell me, you don't have to speak. They've got Trump. They've got Matt Gaetz. 
They've got uh, some other, you know, very recognizable Republican names. You don't have to speak, but there's going to be like a uh, an area which is going to be quartered off from the rest of the folks. They expect 900 people, 900. In this little area, it's about six tables, it's going to be exclusive dinner tables, which will be guarded by Secret Service. Trump has his own table, about 15 people. As of late yesterday, there was a very good chance me and Danielle were going to be two of those 15 people at his table. If not, I'll be sitting at the table right next to him. You can't make this up. This is all yesterday. I can't even. I'm looking at this. <laughs> in, I'm looking at this. At but what, is, what, what does it say? Eleventh <laughs> annual. No, one hundred eleventh. I believe. Right. One hundred eleventh. Right. One hundred eleventh gala. Uh, the New York uh, Republican Club. That's an insignia featuring honored guest. Sid Rosenberg, host of New York's number one news talk morning <laughs> show, Sid and Friends in the Morning. I'm reading it. I can't even believe you it. You can't believe it, right. And then it's got, uh, you know, that sideways, uh, side glance picture yeah. of you, uh, which looks very good. You look very good. Well, thank good. you, Louis. Yeah. 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 I love that you. After uh, <laughs> I have to sift through all of your phone photos yesterday. And, which we think this one. That, this. And oh, then... <laughs> Then I have to. No, so then he's got this one's got too much chest hair, right? This one. I'll, well, yeah. Every time one. I got a picture, I got to you know they asked me to send a picture of all these people for whatever event it may be. I got Danielle in my head, so if I show too much chest, she gets pissed, you know. But, I show, you know, so I got to make it where it's uh, relatively a conservative picture. Yeah, but each one. They're still shirt open. Shirt down. open, yeah. Like, well, what? she complained about this one, too, last night. She goes, you look too much like a mobster. Right. I well, go, I am a mobster. What do you mean idea? I look like a mobster? I am a mobster. What do you think the trend is right now? What are you, That's nuts? That's, but this one. Yeah, another movie yesterday, I play a mobster. This one is the conservative picture. <laughs> that actually. is as, good, as that, it gets. That's, that's yeah, it, yeah. right. It's, that's yeah. one's fine. The other ones I saw, you, you look like you, you could have been opening a Playboy Well, club. Well, well, the other yeah, ones, the other uh, ones. Were, were, were right down to the navel. Oh, those, yeah. those pictures were actually in the magazine shoot I did a couple of years ago <laughs> for the uh, for that magazine, FIG. But anyway, so that, that was my day yesterday. Stephen Van Zandt comes on this show, surprises me by telling me he's honoring, they're honoring at the Policeman's Bowl, me and Ron Duguay, which was amazing. Then I get the script from Danny A. on the take, my second major motion picture, which I'll be uh, shooting in Los Angeles coming up next month. And then I find out I'll be sitting with or right next to Donald Trump at dinner at Cipriani's on Saturday night. <laughs> I'm actually kind of concerned. Maybe we shouldn't even be in the same uh, floor as you right now. I don't think any of us. Uh, you God. might you might have to hire somebody to, like, hold your cell phone, an umbrella. Uh, that may happen. Yeah. That... Or at the very least security. Yeah, you're going to need that. Because, you know, tonight, of course, is the first night of Hanukkah. I want to wish... All my Jewish brethren, a happy and a healthy Chag Sameach, a happy Hanukkah. And uh, Wednesday night, I believe it's this Wednesday night, you know, every year my man John Katsimatidis, that's my man right there, Johnny C. He uh, invites me, him and Margot, to this menorah lighting. Last night they lit the, uh, tonight I should say, the big one in Brooklyn, but the biggest one is in the city, the biggest menorah in the world, I believe, right outside the Plaza Hotel. And uh, night five or six this year, next Wednesday night, John and I, along with thousands of other Jews, 
We'll be lighting the menorah alongside Rabbi Butman coming up on Wednesday night. So I need uh, my guy Dom. I know Dom is listening. I need extra security. I mean, these bastards want me dead anyway. No one is uh, is more pro-Israel and and less Palestinian than I am. So Wednesday night, it could be all over. One short blast of gunfire, and hmm. they'll need somebody else to uh, to play that role in the movie. Yeah, somebody who could look as good with their shirt open right. like that. Good luck finding that. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> see that. <laughs> All right, we got a big guest list coming up today. we got a bunch of stories to cover. We really do from that ridiculous debate last night. Juan Soto is now a New York Yankee. Congestion pricing. Eric Adams, 28%. Oh, my God. 28%. Cindy Groves, Curtis Sliwa, Andrew Napolitano, the great Bill O'Reilly, Mike Lawler, and get ready for this. On the day Soto becomes a Yank, we will talk to the greatest sports talk show host ever and the host of High Heat on the MLB Network. What a great day for this guy, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, coming up at 740. It's a huge Thursday morning show. Sid and friends in the morning with Bruce Springsteen. Jungle Land. Last night, and a magic rat drove his sleek machine over a Jersey state line. Barefoot girl sitting on the hood of a Dodge, drinking warm beer in the soft summer rain. The rat pulls in the town, rolls up his pants. Together they take a stab at romance and disappear down the Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. Seventy-seven WABC. Okay, this, uh, this is a song that uh, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there, and uh, not too many Hanukkah songs. So. Uh, 
wrote a, wrote a song for all those nice little Jewish kids who don't get to hear any Hanukkah songs. Here we go. <laughs> Hanukkah is a festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish. Just like you and me. <laughs> David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conkirk Douglas and the late Dinosaurus. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish Goldie Hawn's half too Put them together What a fine looking Jew You don't need deck the halls Or jingle bell rock Cause you can spin a dreidel With Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock Both Jewish Put on your yarmulke Time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time you celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, bar, get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica and smoke your marijuana. If you really, really want to have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. There he happy is, my Hanukkah. man, Adam Sandler, as we get set to light the candles later on tonight. Hanukkah 2023 is here. And, uh, well, uh, John Katzmatidis, you know, is about us. I think he says he's 7% Jewish. I think that's the number. So um, we all got a little Jew in us. Especially Danielle, she got a little Jew. Um, Alec. Yeah, that wasn't going to go right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alec, your, uh, your Hanukkah came early. The yeah. holiday starts tonight. Indeed. But uh, you are one of the biggest Yankee fans I know. And Juan Soto, 25 years old, three All-Stars, 41 World Series, 
comes off that, uh, what an unbelievable year he had back in 2019, but even after those years in Washington, a couple of good years in San Diego, clearly the best young offensive player in baseball, the best outfielder, and he is now coming to the Bronx. Happy Hanukkah to you. Yeah, no, it's very exciting stuff. Uh, I think he got a pretty solid uh, three-hole hitter now, man. Uh, you know, assuming Judge stays in that two-hole. And then you, you know, you could switch things around. It gives a, it gives that lineup a lot of, a well, what lot is of the Yankee options. outfield right now? Uh, it would probably be, uh, judge and center, honestly, for a majority of the season. And then you'd have Soto in right. That's his preferred position because he's not the best defender right. out of the three. So you would have to put him in the, in the position that he's most comfortable in, which would be right field. And then out in left field, you have also newcomer Alex Verdugo. Right. From the Boston Red Sox a couple of days ago. And he's a good solid player as well. Yeah. So well, they get Verdugo, who's a solid player and Soto, who's a legitimate superstar, one for the ages. Mm-hmm. Been a pretty good week for Brian Cashman. I'd say, I'd yeah. say it made people forget. Uh, They're about still going to the... lose games three to one in August. Yeah, of course and they will. be on the air going, how can they not score? Of course they will. Stanton, Verdugo, yeah. Soto, Judge. Yeah, I was saying, uh, you know, one player doesn't fix it all, of course, in the, in Major League Baseball. Uh, but in terms of a player that has that sort of capacity, I, well, it really goes Otani one, and then Soto could be two. Could be two. Otani uh, was not coming here. He said that days ago. Right. I mean, Soto could be this generation's Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the Yankees got swept by the Cincinnati Reds in the World Series in 1976. They were embarrassed, and uh, obviously Steinbrenner was pissed. He needed that extra piece. He got Reggie, and they won the next two World Series beating the Dodgers. Reggie got a lot of help from Bucky Dent in 78. But uh, could Juan Soto be the next Reggie Jackson? We'll see. Uh, you got to get there first, and uh, you don't get there without good starting pitching. So if you right. don't get uh, Garrett Cole some help, then it's going to be a problem. All right. We'll talk to uh, the, the best, I believe, the best baseball mind in the country and also the most legendary sports talk radio host ever, part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination, has his own show. It's a great one on High Heat on the MLB Network, and also, of course, does that uh, great Wednesday segment alongside Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Christopher Mad Dog Russo, what a great day to get doggy. He will join us coming up live in about an hour. Dove Hikend just checked in. He will be at the Wailing Wall, davening today for Hanukkah. He's going to call in live from Israel at the Wailing Wall coming up at 9.30. That brings me to you, Noam Layden, another very, very proud Jew. Happy Hanukkah. Right back at you. What are you guys doing tonight? I, you know, I was just looking at the picture of you and that invitation. You do look like a mob. <laughs> you look like if the camera were to follow you to the next shot after yeah. that picture, yeah. that you'd have a gun in your hand and you were shooting somebody dead. <laughs> That's exactly what Danielle said last night. <laughs> but um, they wanted something conservative. That's as conservative. <laughs> I mean, I love the picture, but yeah. it does look like you're about to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. Or he's having somebody kill something for him. It's yeah. not right. even, it's not even the fact that they, the, the picture is there. It's like, why would they want my picture? You've got President Trump as the keynote speaker. Why would they want Sid Rosenberg's picture on the front of this huge gala at Cipriani's? To me, that was where I was. I was honored. Don't get me wrong. Honored, humbled, and shocked. Now, do, anyway. you, do you think you'll get to sit next to yes. him? Have you thought about this? Well, I mean, it's a possibility. Once again, he's got 15 people. Well, do we know who the table. other 14 people I are? I don't know who they are, no. no. But I, 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 uh, at the very least, I'll be sitting right, right by him. And we'll uh, be able to talk and take pictures and do all that. So it'll be it'll be a Trump Rosenberg night. Yes. We, so yeah. we have like twenty four hours to maneuver your seat. Yeah. Next to him, that's a lot of time. 
So we we have people we can call. Well, you understand and, that. Uh, like yeah. Lara Trump. Will you call Lara? I can call Lara. And, and say, Lara, I want to sit next to the I've president. never done that, though. I've never asked Lara or Eric or Junior or any of those folks anything from uh, from from Donald. I well, never have. You're no. not asking for a big thing. You just want to sit next well, to him. Well, no, the way to do it is say, I, I've already called Gavin Wax. He's in charge of the event. He said he was going to take care I'd of it. I'd like to. Is it possible I could get close to the <laughs> president? Can I sit close? <laughs> well, and then you leave it lap. up to uh, And I, then Lara will say, you know, I could barely move you closer. Well, I, got, I got news That's to tell you guys. <laughs> While you guys are trying to figure out a way to get me close to the president, it got back to me late last night that the president actually said... How do I sit next to Sid? No, please. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> button, your, button your shirt back up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Talking about the uh, the president, he was not at that ridiculous debate last night. Vivek and Christie and Haley and DeSantis just spewing hate at Donald Trump. And I know that they all kind of ganged up, all three guys, on Nikki because she seems to be the second choice right now, just ahead of DeSantis, but well behind Donald Trump. Noam, what do you got on that ridiculous debate last night? I, well, I can't imagine there was a lot of people watching. News Nation is not a network known to a lot of people. But, yeah, the analysts, the people who were watching this thing last night said she was did a good job. Unflappable, was able to answer all the questions. But the big deal is she's 40, 50 points behind President Trump and all those national polls. Uh, you know, she we needs to win the primary early to stop the president, and the former president doesn't look like she's going to do that right now. How did Megyn Kelly do last night? She was good, I thought. Yeah, I like her. She was good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was no, uh, like, uh, moment that she had right off the bat. Very first debate, first couple of minutes in, only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> right. No moment like that last night with uh, Kelly and Trump from way back in 2016. No, but she, I, I thought she asked some pretty good, tough questions uh, to Chris Christie. All of them, actually. I, I thought she was all right. Bill O'Reilly is going to join me at 8.40 this morning of every segment on this radio station, WABC, all week long. There is no higher-rated segment than O'Reilly Rosenberg. That's the truth. That's a statistical fact coming up at 8.40 this and every Thursday. Wednesday nights, he goes on with uh, Chris Cuomo. He does. And it's on News Nation, which, of course, is the same uh, channel that carried the debate last night. O'Reilly was on with Chris Cuomo and actually told folks who he thought won the fourth GOP debate. Now, I have not heard this. I have not heard this. I'm going to take a guess and say that O'Reilly said the person that won the debate was Trump because by not showing up, he let these idiots kill each other. But I haven't heard this. Let's see. Bill O'Reilly, Lewis, cut number eight. Now, the winner of the debate, and I knew you were going to ask, uh, was DeSantis. <laughs> oh, and the reason oh. is that DeSantis tapped into the emotion that Republican voters are feeling when he went after the border and said, I would use violence against these cartel members. The border is the most emotional issue for Republicans. The economy is second. But the, the appalling state of the southern border today was a record number of migrants crossing. He won the debate because he was able to run down in Florida how he took on the progressive left and won. Haley came across as an establishment figure, okay? She's distant. She's not a culture warrior. There you have it. According to, according to Bill O'Reilly, Ron DeSantis wins the debate. 
Nikki Haley too distant. Traffic with Joe Nolan is coming up, so we'll talk to uh, Cindy Groves and Curtis Sliwa. Right now it is time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby here. John and Rita talked to my good friend from the New York Post, Michael Goodwin. You had a column. It was spot on. Biden is risking Israel's security. Explain. It's a kind of simple formula. It's domestic politics. His reelection campaign is uh, now uh, at least as important to him as Israel's security. And so he has, I believe, ramped up his criticism of Israel and the demand for uh, more and more humanitarian aid, calling for pause, longer pauses, that sort of thing, all because uh, the youth vote. And so I think the president is bowing to that kind of pressure. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So did you think your career was over after I did. that? I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listened to you. Right. You know, and, but... Well, uh, so does Imus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus, you know, right, right. before you were a monster star. And, and so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany. No idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. But Thank sometimes, you. like, maybe you got to rein it in just a little bit and play the game a little I love that. I told you this before. When Howard Stern tells you maybe you should rein it in just a little bit. That was um, 15 years ago already when I made that in-studio appearance at Sirius XM with Howard. And, you know, I found out uh, yesterday because Danielle, my beautiful wife, is is uh, still a huge Stern fan. I still like Stern even though he hates everything I stand for. This is just the way I am. Just like I like Springsteen. And uh, it turns out that uh, one of the reoccurring characters, he's a real guy, real guy, I uh, was uh, very upset to hear he died, Ralph Sorella, 58 years old, about my age. I don't know him. You know, Ralph, that uh, that was sad news yesterday. Yeah, we, I was out with a group of friends over the summer, and he was part of that group. Nice Oh, guy. he was? Yeah. So you yeah. partied with Ralph? I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, a few times. Well, but I can't even call him now and get any confirmation on that because no, he's dead. I could be, you're right. I could be totally making that up. <laughs> <laughs> but you did, didn't you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, the, you know, of course, the tragic part is apparently he had this form of cancer that was curable. He had lymphoma that was yeah. curable. He did nothing about it. Uh, sound familiar? I mean, Bernie, God rest his soul, you know, he got that uh, very high PSA years ago, and and we lost him tragically last year, and... Ralph, uh, the Howard Stern Show, Ralph Sorella, another guy that um, probably could have been saved. So these are all important stories because people love these guys, Bernie more than Ralph, but Ralph certainly has millions of fans, and uh, neither one of those guys had to die. So there is a, uh, a moral to these stories. Yeah, look, you have these early signs of being sick. You just you got to go yeah. do something about it. You can't just sit on it. Right, right. Like um, Howard, I guess, is the other extreme. He yeah. gets, you know, he gets a uh, a hemorrhoid, and he's pretty sure he's got anal cancer. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Cindy Groves, former award-winning public school teacher, whistleblower, and Jewish activist. She's a Jewish advisor to the National Diversity Coalition for Donald Trump. She's been a friend of mine for many, many years. She's going to light the uh, very honorable first night of Hanukkah coming up tonight. The candles 
with a guy I really like, David Friedman. Here she is back on Sitting Friends in the Morning, my friend Cindy. Cindy, good morning. How are you? Good morning. First of all, I want to say thank you very much. Uh, you are a hero to all of us oh. for speaking up and also for sponsoring a fantastic barbecue in Israel for our fantastic soldiers fighting not only for Israel, but for democracy worldwide. Well, thank you for that. That's very, very sweet. Coming from you, that means a lot. And, yes, I love those guys. Again, Dope Hiking will join us in about three hours live from the Wailing Wall this morning with some of those soldiers as they get ready to celebrate the first night of Hanukkah in Israel. So, Cindy, you uh, you worked, of course, in the uh, public school system. You worked in, in education. You know about, uh, obviously, the DOE. You know about all these groups. And you were saying to me, you're like, Sid, why would anybody be surprised? on what's going on, rather you should become educated on how to stop it. Tell me about that. Well, I uh, was a whistleblower, and way before this became a topic, and people are talking about the college campuses, but I'm going to share something exclusively with your audience that I have from 2006. There was a professional development that was in schools that went uh, around with the permission of the unions and the New York City Department of Education. It was a workshop entitled Gang Awareness. This particular one had about 40 staff members. I'm not going to mention the name of the person who spoke or his group, but basically he was there to talk about gang awareness and protecting students. Instead, somehow the conversation went on about the Jews of Williamsburg having all their money because they don't wear the bling. He misrepresented the group of people by their philosophies because they go to schools that are different than public schools. He also went on to speak about local merchants and minority neighborhoods refusing to give jobs to minority children and that it was a reference to people like then-Mayor Bloomberg, who were Jewish behind this conspiracy. So that was in 2006. There are loads of documents of this. I have loads of paperwork and witnesses and teachers that have been either terminated or harassed or didn't even get jobs because they were Jewish. And this doesn't even affect Jews. It's also about racism. And more importantly, you could see the schools really are hurting the minority families with the failing grades, schools that have less than 30% of reading and math academics. I filed a lawsuit in 2011. It's still ongoing, and I can tell you everything that I uh, whistleblowed about actually came out to be factually correct. We have the documents to prove it. I just gave you one little snip of loads of documentation. So people from 2006 that were children in second grade and fifth grade and and in now high school are many of the people that are marching now that can't even pronounce Palestine, don't even know what it is, never been to Israel, but they just march along because it's the trend and they can get paid $30 on Craigslist. And I know you love Donald Trump, and I could tell you I'm proud to say that Donald Trump was the first presidential candidate in 2016 to actually talk about eliminating or diminishing the power of the Department of Education and pointing out the money that is wasted. Excellent job, Cindy Groves right there, dropping a bit of a bombshell right here on Sitting friends in the morning. You know, uh, going back, talking about education, going back to COVID, I was um, yelling and screaming alongside Bernard every day here. Hated uh, so many people. So many people exposed themselves as 
bureaucrats and phonies and creeps. And maybe the name at the very top of the list, along with the governor, Andrew Cuomo, was Randy Weingarten, who took a beating on this show for years and continues to. She she refused to reopen schools, knowing full well the science said kids didn't get sick, kids weren't dying. She didn't care. She refused to open the schools. She ruined thousands of our children. I mean thousands. And now, faced with another big issue, anti-Semitism in our schools, I come to find here, Cindy, that she dismisses it as if it's not a reality. What the F is wrong with Randy Weingarten? So I actually brought Randy Weingarten to my school. I actually tried to expose, and very few people picked it up because it wasn't the hot topic of the day. I had an email trail. There were about 40 to 50 paid people through the New York City Department of Education using their business email talking how white women were docile and easy. And when I actually shared it with Randy Weingarten, her answer to me was, how did I get this? (laughs) And there was no repercussions for any of the people on that list. But I actually faced retaliation. What do you mean? Well, I had, I filed my lawsuit. I was harassed. I had a... A, a illegal retaliation termination hearing. Everything that I exposed in this, the witnesses, the documents are strict. You could see it all there. It's all handed out. Randy still has a load of power. And don't forget, in 2019, Randy partnered with Michelle Obama to the get out the vote with the high school students. So you know how close she is with the current administration. So We've got to work together. It's not just Jews involved in this. This is affecting every single person, which could be one of the reasons why Donald Trump is surging in the black communities where there are failing public schools like the one I taught in. Uh, give me uh, one more on the way out. I talked uh, moments ago about uh, the honor that John Katsimatidis bestows on me every year. John, Margot, Rabbi Butman get a chance to light the world's biggest menorah just outside the Plaza Hotel in New York City, that gorgeous menorah. I'll be lighting it this year on, I believe, Wednesday night, but you have a big one coming up tonight, night one of Hanukkah, alongside a guy I really like. That is uh, David Friedman. Where's that going down tonight? It's going down in the five towns, and I know David Friedman way longer than President Donald Trump. I grew up with him. I knew his parents very well, so it's quite an honor. And I'm also going to be honoring uh, uh, lighting the candles with the rabbi who actually officiated at the embassy opening in 2018. Wow. So uh, I hope you could come. If you can make it, we'd love to have you, Sid. Well, Chag Sameach, happy holidays, happy Hanukkah. Great job, Cindy, on the show this morning. Uh, For years I've known you. You're a great, great voice for the Jewish community and really just parents overall and, and our kids. So thank you for hopping on this morning, Cindy. Great job. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you very much, and happy Hanukkah. She is Cindy Groves right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. Uh, what a first hour this was, huh, folks? Cindy was terrific, gave you a whole bunch of good stories, and that is just the appetizer, if you will, for three more great hours of radio, which includes Curtis Sliwa, Judge Andrew Napolitano, Mike Lawler, Dove Hikind, live from Israel, the great Bill O'Reilly, and on the day where Juan Soto becomes a New York Yankee, We're going to talk to Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Hour two of the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning about to come your way.
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. So back at 625 this morning, and we'll play it again later on this morning, we played the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song, and Adam Sandler in that song, which is great. I do want to wish all my brethren a happy Hanukkah. We light the candles tonight, night one of eight crazy nights. He mentions in the song that this guy, David Lee Roth, the lead singer of Van Halen, one of them, Sammy Hagar, also sang for the band, but David was the best. He uh, He's Jewish. And he is uh, not only Jewish, but he was great for that band. And even did great solo stuff. I'm just a gigolo. That was great, too. But he was a horrible radio host. A lot of you folks out there think because you're good at something, you can just do radio. Because you can talk, or you're smart. And the truth is, there's only a handful of great radio hosts left. And that's been the case, I hate to say it, for about 20 years. A handful of great ones. He was really bad. He was awful, and he had to replace Howard. Right. Mark Chernoff picked David Lee Roth to replace uh, Howard Stern. I don't know if Chernoff Well, it wasn't Chernoff, right, right? You're right. No, because I remember... It wasn't him. He went nuts, actually. He had to go over there to try to fix it. Right. He was furious that first day. He came back to the lobby one morning. I'll <laughs> yeah. never forget this. Yeah. He came, and I. he came. He would go there first. Was it any... K-Rock? I it was what. K-Rock, yes. So he came, he came back in the lobby, and he would be by the mailboxes, you know, getting picking up his stuff. And I just came out. I said, Mark... How's he doing over there? <laughs> no, he's an idiot. He's terrible. <laughs> he's, he's so an idiot. Oh my god, he oh, doesn't god. listen. He doesn't listen to anything. Yeah. He doesn't listen well, to me. I mean, he's he's going to fail. I yeah, hope of he course. Does. And then he bashed Howard, which you don't do. And I remember that first show because I did listen. He brought on his like uncle or something. It was a war hero. This guy was a war hero. God, God, God bless him. But he was like ninety-five years old. It was the most unlistenable interview I've ever heard on radio. I'm not saying a lot. It was bad. So uh, anyway, uh, David Lee Roth, happy Hanukkah. (laughs) And and stay off the air. You're terrible. My God. Oh, he doesn't listen to a thing. When you do the Chernoff thing, I actually kind of miss Chernoff a little bit. Uh, I love Chernoff. Yeah, so do I. All right. uh, I love this guy coming up, too. Gets uh, big ratings, noon to one every weekday um, afternoon, that's right. Also does a great job hosting overnights on the weekends, but certainly does his best work alongside me every weekday morning right here at about this time. He's the icon. He's the legend, Mr. Guardian Angel, Curtis Sliwa, who was uh, sporting a new look today as he gets closer and closer to being the next mayor of New York City. For some reason, he seems to think that missing the tooth in the very center of his mouth is going to get him votes. Now, why would you think that? I'm just curious. Well, 
I mean, look, it's worked for your very dear friend, the former New York Giant, right? <laughs> straight-handed, that's worked for straight-handed. How many yes. times I go to Bay Terrace, I take a picture of uh, Strahan styling and profiling a yeah. suit for Men's Wholesale Outlet and send it to you? Well, you know what's funny with Mike is he is missing that tooth there in the middle, but he's a really good-looking guy. Now, you, for example, I think you're a handsome man. Don't take that too personally, but I do. I think you're a handsome man. But without your tooth right now... You look like almost like some uh, meth guy sleeping on the subway that got his ass kicked. <laughs> so it's not working for you like it does for straight. Well, and, and this is all because be- I think you're missing like two teeth. Yes, this is all because. <laughs> oh my god! You look the- like like, a, like an old hockey player, like Eddie Johnstone. That's exactly exactly. <laughs> Remember, they always have false teeth, you know, yeah. to put their choppers in there to get there. So, so what happened to you? Was it was it that Andrew Cuomo gave you the Maloita yesterday? Yes, because yes. Yeah? Yeah, it was uh, Andrew Evilized Cuomo. King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Faccia, Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo the first. Hey, Andrew, I said to me, do you provenos fracim? And like your father, you are. We were talking about the poll that I had released exclusively to the Sid Rosenberg show, as I always do. I give you the hors d'oeuvres, and then I get into the full entree and the rip and read 12 to 1 that same day. And as I was talking about the results and the fact that I was uh, cursing him in Italian, remember, my tooth flew out. And the next thing you know, I was on my hands and knees yeah. in the studio looking for it. Right here, it was it was similar, but not the same to when Warner Wolf was doing sports on Channel 2 one night, and his teeth fell out right in the middle of his sports update. But that was his whole teeth. Yeah, well, you he, lost he, one tooth. He forgot the poly grip. <laughs> yeah. There was no poly. Yeah, you're right. It flew out of his mouth. But it is. it, it looks like it's more than one tooth. Well, it is. And, How many are you uh, missing right now? Three? I, I got to go to Commissioner Gordon. That's my dentist who was proud. He was at the Support the Israel Day rally. He sent me the picture. That's not Randy Gordon, is it? No, 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 no. Okay. Not that former boxing yes, commissioner. Yes. Right? No, 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 no. A, 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 a dentist Gordon knows how to patch me up, fix me up. Because I've had a lot of teeth knocked out. Yeah, so why don't you just get like, uh, well, you get like, how does it work now? You get veneers, you get tooth replacement? Well, it depends. You know, normally uh, in a pinch, uh, I use... Um, I use super glue. Oh, my God. And it, it works temporarily, no, except no, it does some extensive damage, no, you know, to the root I, system. I, I got to talk to you, Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> I have spent the last couple of months. One of the reasons why you're on this show every day, besides yeah. the fact you happen to be the best radio guy at this station besides me, and you're a legitimate legend, you're great at radio. You're great at it. Well, can I mention one thing, though? Yeah. All these pretenders, as you had mentioned, Van Halen there, thought he could come on and do radio. We had a lot of people like that right here at WABC. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. That's true. They do no show prep. For every hour on the radio, you have to do a minimum of two hours. Yes, you don't do a minimum of two hours, then you're you're a fugazi. You're basically mailing it in. And we have people here at this station and other talk radio stations. All they do is watch talk TV all day and then repeat it. Correct. Repeat what they heard on. They bring nothing original to the microphone of what is the now number one station by day uh, across the nation, number one across the world at night. And you're the number one show across America in the morning. Somebody was saying, number one talk show in New York. What are you talking about? 
It's across the nation. Look at the analytics. It is true. And you're right about that. The very little prep work, and it, and it shows in the ratings. But anyway, um, besides that, uh, now my, just so you know, I don't prep necessarily by reading every morning. My prep time is exactly one hour with Justin Ellick. But because this show is basically a lifestyle show, whatever happens in my life the day before becomes the show, along with the big news stories. That's why we get big ratings. But. I've also spent the last couple of months making sure that people know, and I mean this, that people know that you are the best candidate for mayor. You ran last time. You did a great job. You pummeled Mateo. You did a good job this week, by the way. You pummeled him, and then you lost to Adams. I really think now you are primed, like Trump, to get a win for the Republicans, but I can't have you going out there with a super-glued tooth. So but, what have we got to do to make you look like a million bucks? You're a handsome guy. Why don't you lend me some of your teeth? I'll <laughs> knock them out during the break, right? We'll transplant some of your teeth. When was the last time, seriously, because you're a yeah. tough guy, when was yeah. the last time you knocked? Because I know you've been getting your ass kicked the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, you came to see me and Bernie one day. They broke your jaw in Penn Station. Uh, they broke your arm one day. The cab hit you a couple of years ago. When was the last time you actually won a fight? Um I am not at liberty to say because there is still it's pending only, it's, litigation. Uh, way, it's, it's only not in court, exactly. There is still <laughs> pending litigation. They're lined up. I'll tell you the best one, though. Uh, it was down on 14th Street, 6th Avenue. Guy's going up to the token booth court. By the way, I thought all the token booth courts were supposed to be station agents roaming around. They hide in the box. They're not coming out. So it's a big Mexican guy, and he's giving him a hard time. And I go, hey, pal, doesn't understand English. He say, hey, pal, leave him alone, right? He pushes me. He pushes you? He pushes me. And then I just knock him out in front of the token booth clerk. And Malcolm X's daughter is coming in, right? Come on. Malcolm X's daughter. She apparently had been at some meeting in Greenwich Village. She walks by. She looks at the guy. She goes, Curtis, is he going to be all right? Uh, is it, uh, Did you call the cops? I said, I ain't calling the cops. Are you crazy? I'm right. going to jail for this. <laughs> and I yeah. said to the token booth clerk, hey, Buster, you didn't see anything, right? He goes, I see nothing. Oh, that's funny. Sergeant Schultz. There you go. That guy was laid out. And you know Mexicans are tough, man. No, they're tough. Well, remember, tough that, remember that fight at Chavez, man? He'd of take course. a thousand blows. Cesar Chavez. That's right. They're always tough fighters. Not necessarily the best fighters, but right, they'll take it on the no, chin. That is true. So, well, you did hear me mention uh, last hour that... Uh, um, I got my, my script yesterday. This was really surreal for me that Danny A., who legitimately right now is the best movie maker in Hollywood. He is. And uh, we made that great movie together, Inside Man slash Gemini Lounge. Now I got the script yesterday. You can see it right here, Curtis. Over oh, my 200 God. pages. It's called On the Take, and it's the true story about the actual mob cops in Brooklyn, Caracapa, uh, and uh, Epolito. I know them well. I yeah, know you do. So I'll be flying out to Los Angeles uh, next month to start shooting my second oh, is, major oh, motion picture. Oh, this is, uh, this is better than sex for me because <laughs> now you're going to be a big movie star. Yeah. You're going to have to hang out there the Hollywood Hall of Walk of Fame. They'll put your, your, your hands down there, your schlong down there, your feet down there. You want it all there documented. And you're going to be stuck out there and somebody's got to do the morning show. Curtis Lee will once again. You See, that's the way this business is. Well, that's uh, that's fine. Let if me I... predict the odds of March are upon you, right? <laughs> yeah, You're out there becoming a big movie star, and I'm sticking this shit in your well, back and you bleeding are. you I out. I know you are. But the reason why I mentioned the yes, movie yes. is because along now with my second major motion picture, this is a really big deal, all kidding aside, you know, of course, I was in season two of the epic mob drama 
Gravesend, which right now is still doing very, very well on Amazon. In fact, I'm in five of the nine episodes. Woody DeMeo did a terrific job. And talking about Gravesend, it oh. all comes back to you. Oh. We've got a big issue in one of my favorite parts of Brooklyn. Slowly I turn step by step. This shows you how many politicians hate my guts, Republicans and Democrats. So your friend, the mayor, Mr. 28% and falling fast, yeah. is going to put... An all-male, single, able-bodied, uh, illegal alien shelter of about 125 males right on the corner of 25th Avenue uh, and 18th, excuse me. And, no, no, uh, no, that can't be right. Uh, 86th Street and 25th Avenue. There you go. Right on the corner. So all the politicians were telling the people that do not tell Curtis. If you tell Curtis and he comes in here and he does all of his things, uh, forget it. We're abandoning ship. We're going to leave you to your own means. Isn't that Ina Vernikov's nope. district? No, it's not Ina. No, okay. no, no. no this right. guy, the Assembly Member William Colton. Okay, He's a Democrat. I don't know who he is. Okay. He held He's a, a Democrat, of course. Right. He held a rally and he told everybody, "Hey, if you bring Sliwa in and his rebels, the mayor will force the shelter on us." Hey, I've I've helped close eight brick and mortar shelters at this point. Nobody, yes, you have. Nobody else has the notches on their belt. Let me tell you, Assembly Member William Colton, what have you done? You've done Ugats, you've done Bupkis, and you're going to tell the people don't talk to Curtis Lee, don't get him involved, or you lose me and you lose everybody else in the area. Well, let me tell you, people in Gravesend. If you'd rather have Assemblymember William Colton, a man of no consequence who's done nothing in his life except scratch his belly button all day and reach below his navel, well, then you're going to end up with 125 single, able-bodied men with nothing to do, nowhere to go, illegal aliens who are going to be roaming your neighborhood. Or if you want to reach out to Curtis Sliwa, I will work with you and teach you how you can shut that brick-and-mortar shelter down. Can you believe this is the new strategy? Don't get Sliwa involved because it'll piss off Eric Adams. Oh, excuse me, Mr. 28%, Eric Adams and falling. Pretty soon he's going to be doing a commercial. I'm falling and I can't get up. Sit Throw me a lifeline. Hey, your biggest mistake, Eric Adams and City Hall, all of you listening, is you didn't have the Culeones. You didn't have the huevos to come on with Sid Rosenberg. You tucked your tail and you ran, and you decided you would talk to the peeps on Sunday and do your own radio show, Eric Adams. Let me tell you something, at WBLS, it sucks for a half hour Everybody strokes you. Look at the polls. You're on your way to Washington, D.C. Let me warn all of his sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys out there. Did you get a wellness check last night? Did internal affairs visit you? Because you're primed to be raided today once again by the FBI.
friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Come on, baby. Been a great show already. Cindy Groves and Curtis Lee were still to come. Dove hiking live from the Wailing Wall this morning in Israel. Going to wish you all a very happy Hanukkah tonight, night one of eight crazy nights. So we'll talk to Dove coming up. Mike Waller will be here, too. You know, they started the uh, censure process, I guess, for this anti-Semite racist piece of garbage. Jamal Bowman will talk to Lawler. We'll talk to Judge Napolitano, the great Bill O'Reilly. And coming up next, I'm very excited about this, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, part of that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination, now a mega superstar on his own. But i got to get this out there. You guys know um, when I first came back to New York in 2016, I moved in with my sister, Ray Sherry, and Mill Basin, my brother-in-law, Albert, because my kids, Ava and Gabe, had to finish school in Boca with Danielle, and I came up in January, so they still had school. So I moved back to uh, to New York to live with my sister and brother-in-law in Mill Basin. And um, I'm very, very close to my sister, Ray Sherry. So long story short, she's got three kids, and her eldest child, her daughter Jennifer, who's a super, super kid, she marries this wonderful guy. I loved him. His name was Eric. We have three great kids together, three great kids, Sammy, the little boy, and Daniela. And um, long story short, uh, Eric gets sick, very sick. And in his 30s, very tragically, my nephew Eric died. He died of cancer. You guys remember that a couple of years ago? It was just, it was awful. You know, it's one thing to bury Bernie at 65 or my father at 87 Eric was in his 30s, and all three kids are babies. They're still less than 10 years old. So Jenny reaches out to me a couple of weeks ago. She says, Uncle Sid, I know you're friends with Elvis Duran. I said, I am. She said, is there any way you can get us tickets for Jingle Ball? My kids would love that. And I said, I'll ask Elvis. So I sent a text to Elvis last week from the PR, and I told him the story about Jennifer. And it took Duran, I would say, three minutes, three get back to me and say, thank you for sharing this story about Jennifer before tickets are on the way. So my niece, Jenny, and her three beautiful kids will have a chance to enjoy what I think is the best live show of the year, courtesy of Z100 Elvis Duran at Madison Square Garden Jingle Ball. I believe it's tomorrow night. It's close. It's either tomorrow or next Friday. But I do want to send a heartfelt thank you to uh, my dear friend and one of the great, I mean, look, he's not a talk show host like me or Doggy coming up next. He's a DJ, I guess, but he's a tremendous radio talent. He does great interviews, great, and he's a super sweet guy. That's typical Elvis. Right? Yeah. Isn't he a, he's got to be the one of the nicest guys in the business. I met him several times, yeah. always nice. Yeah, we got dinner uh, uh, accidentally. We happened to be at the same place, Il Cortile, in Little Italy a couple of months ago. You remember that night? And he was, him and his husband were there, Alex, and they were great. So, anyway, Elvis Duran, thank you very much. You made my niece, Jennifer, who has suffered more tragedy than good times the last couple of years, very, very happy. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. This year, we're, we're honoring two people. 
We're honoring Ron Duguay, who I know is a good friend of yours. But who else? Who else you honor besides Ron Duguay? Who's the second guy? The second guy, it's very important that you show up because the second guy is going to be you. What? We're honoring, we're honoring Ron Duguay and Steve Rosenberg. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Come, Stevie, stop, stop. You being serious? I'm telling you, we're announcing it right now, live. It's Ron and you, baby. Come on. Yep. For yep. real? Absolutely, because of your great support of the police, and we know that. Oh, my Everybody God. Everybody knows that. Oh, my God. And so this year, we're, uh, we're, we're honoring both of you guys. You're going to come, you know. It's going to be great. Yesterday on this program, the great little Stevie, Stephen Van Zandt, who puts on that uh, really cool policeman's ball every year at the Mandarin Hotel in New York City. And last year they honored uh, Frank Caron. At the time, he was still Mayor Adams, uh, I guess, uh, chief, uh, I guess. And uh, this year they're going to honor two people, Ron Duguay and me. And Van Zandt floored me with that yesterday. And, of course, Promised Land, Bruce Springsteen. We always play Bruce when my next guest comes on. He's the greatest Sports talk show host in the history of the business, whether it's sitting alongside Mike Francesa, that legendary Mike and the Mad Dog combination, or now on his own, Mad Dog Unleashed, every afternoon on Sirius XM. He's great on high heat. I love that show, MLB Network. And I love him and uh, Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. Proud to call this guy a friend. I really am the great Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Doggy, good morning, pal. How are you? Uh, good good morning. Thank you for the play. You're too nice with these introductions. <laughs> uh, it's all true. I must tell you that, uh, and I kind of joked, but I was being serious. We went to that great Teddy Atlas event a couple of Thursdays ago on Staten Island. And when I walked in, I received a thunderous, thunderous amount of applause amid some big-time superstars. And then you, you son of a bitch, you're Russo right after Rosenberg. You walk in after me, you got more applause. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't sense that. I didn't sense that. Uh, I had missed the Teddy Atlas event the last couple of years, so I was glad I went. Teddy's the best. You did a good job there with Greg Papa, with Greg with uh, Bob Papa, yeah. as far as all the work you did with the in- intros. You and Brian Kenny, you guys did a great job with it, and he, and Teddy does a super job. That's a fun event. Tough place to get to down yeah. in uh, Lower Staten Island, yep. but uh, that was a uh, and I was glad Stephen A. showed up. Give Stephen A. credit; he was there too. So. That was a good night. Anyway, how yeah, you yeah, doing? By the way, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And he, he comes every year, Stephen A., but it's funny. I, I am doing great because you mentioned Brian Kenny. So I took a mini vacation last week, just four days in the PR with Danielle and Gabe. I'm tired, Chris. You know, the, the Israel stuff has weighed very, very heavily on me from a professional and personal standpoint. It's been a very rough eight weeks. So I go away, and I'm in the hotel. I, I arrive that night, and I go into the hotel restaurant, and there's one television in this hotel restaurant, I swear to God. And what are they playing on this Wednesday night? MLB Network. 
And there you are. You look great, by the way. Beautiful tie, blue jacket. On TV with uh, Brian Kenny, the aforementioned, the man you just mentioned, Brian Kenny. And you guys are talking about Joe Maurer, maybe going to the Hall of Fame, all this great baseball stuff. I think that was the night the Mets signed Severino. But how lucky am I that on this day today, when the Yankees are hoping they got their next Reggie Jackson, I got the greatest baseball mind in the country, Chris Russo, on this show, because Yankee fans are salivating. They think Juan Soto means a lot of World Series. What do you think? Well, listen, he's going to be a great Yankee. They're definitely going to re-sign him. I'd be shocked if they didn't. I mean, I know that Boris is the agent, and I understand that, you know, that's a little dubious, but the Yankees never let uh, a free agent walk who they want, so I wouldn't worry so much. It's going to cost them $500 million, but I wouldn't worry so much about that. They needed an outfielder. They needed a left-hand hitter. He can, you know, basically parachute with Judge. They can be a, you know, Batman and Robin combination. I mean, what's there not to like? I mean, unless you think Michael King is the next Whitey Ford. I mean, uh, what is there not to like? I mean, they gave up a they gave up the catcher, they gave up a couple of minor leaguers. I mean, it's a great move by the Yankees. It's it's an obvious one. I mean, the Padres took a gamble, didn't quite work out. They had to trade them. Who you know, they're not going to get a ton for him because teams are worried about re-signing him. The Yankees don't have that concern. The Yankees have a little pitching depth. Get him out of the National League. I mean, all those things. So from that standpoint, it made perfect sense. I'm not surprised. And, uh, you know, much to my chagrin, because I'm not a Yankee fan, you have to figure that Soto is going to be a big deal here in New York. He plays well in big games. He won a world championship with Washington, and he played great in that series. Uh, He had a very good year last year on a bad team. Uh, You know, he's young. He's 25, 26 years of age. Uh, He's not a good outfielder. You'll live with it. He's not a good defensive player. Who cares? Because he's going to hit 40 homers and hit 310. He's going to walk, and he's going to knock in 120 runs. What's there not to like? Great move by the Yankees. Understatement of the year, Doggy just said, I'm not the biggest Yankee fan. He hates the Yankees with a vengeance. He loves his uh, San Francisco Giants. Uh, you know, Dog, something tells me everything you just said is is spot on, right on the money, and it should be an amazing relationship. But something tells me I'm going to put your show on at about 5 o'clock on an August afternoon driving to my mom in upstate New York. Channel 82, by the way, folks. And you're going to be going, I can't believe it. They lost again 3-1. to one. I don't know. You got Judge. You got Soto. They can't score. I mean, over the last couple of years, the Yankees have had big bats in their lineup, and they just couldn't seem to put it together offensively. I started to think maybe Brian Cashman is snake bit, but you are almost absolutely sure that this move makes the Yankees that potent offense we've missed the last couple of years. Well, throwing the fact that Rizzo is going to be healthier, and I still think Rizzo's a good player. Uh, you know, they obviously judges hopefully doesn't miss eight weeks with a broken toe. Stanton's <laughs> got to be a little better. Uh, Stanton has to be a little better. Volpe will be better his second year in the big leagues. I mean, listen, the Yankees are not a hundred percent yet. I don't think they're going to get Yamamoto. I think the Yan- I think the I think the Mets will get him because Steve Cohen can spend one more dollar on Yamamoto then how can. So to whatever the Yankees or anybody else spends, if the Mets want the pitcher, and it seems like they do, they can spend another buck to get him because the man's worth billions and billions of dollars, and he just went to Japan for dinner. So I don't think the Yankees are going to get him. I don't think the Yankees are going to get Blake Snell. I don't know what they're going to do with their pitching staff. But as far as their offense is concerned, Sid, the Yankees should be – I mean, listen, they, this guy's going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, this is a tremendous – in his prime, he's a young player. He walks. Uh, you 
know, short ports and right. The Yankees haven't had enough left-hand hitting. I mean, this is a very, very – nothing much not to like. This is a tremendous move. I mean, I will hope that the Yankees have issues. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, Yankees last year were a terrible offensive team. Who would have thought Stanton would have hit 190? But you got to figure he'd be a little better. The Yankees are going to be very, very good. Now, the division's pretty good. The Orioles, though, don't spend any money. Kimbrell is stupid. They don't need him. He's awful. Uh, but from a standpoint of what that division, you know, with Tampa and there in Baltimore, the Yankees, I would pick them to win the American League East. Cole, their pitching will be healthier. Yankees are a big-time team. And I do think the Mets are going to get the kid from Japan. I do think they're going to get him. Well, it's I funny think. you say that. Again, this is a legend, Chris Russo, because – yeah, and again, you mentioned the fact that Cohen was in Japan not that long ago, had dinner with the family, all that stuff. And it does seem like, you know, that uh, anytime the Yanks make a move, the Mets need to follow suit. Or if the Mets make a move, the Yankees need to follow suit. I, I know that's not new necessarily, but I do feel like maybe it's ramped up now at an all-time high between Steinbrenner and Steve Cohen. Is that a, a fair statement? Well, again, the Yankees and Mets very rarely, never, have gone after the same player. Never. Uh, you know, every time that the Mets may have been interested in the player, uh, the Wilpons have backed down because they didn't want to get into a bidding war. Uh, and I don't think in this particular case, with how already having signed or traded for Soto, judge last year, Rendon, I don't think he wants to get Mac, uh, you know, get into a bidding war with, uh, you know, it's almost a gentleman's agreement. And I don't think he's going to get into a bidding war here with Cohen on Yamamoto. So I think the Mets will get him. Now, again, I'm assuming he doesn't have any problems pitching for the Mets. Remember, his good friend is Senga. They're very close. They're good buddies. So I think that will help, too. Um, So I think he's going to come here. Now, you know, the Dodgers need a pitcher. The Giants need somebody. So, I mean, there is competition, but I don't think that competition will come from the Yankees. I think the Mets are the leader in the pack, and I think they're going to end up getting this kid signed. Those negotiations will start on Monday. But I think Yamamoto will be a Met. And those are the two big free agents this year. I mean, well, Otani, we know. But, I mean, the three big players were Otani and obviously, uh, you know, Soto getting traded and here Yamamoto. And I think two of them are coming to New York. And I don't know where Otani's going. Maybe he's going to go to Toronto. A lot of people think he's going to be a Blue Jay. Maybe that's where he goes. Wow. No chance he goes to San Francisco, Otani? A lot of people think the Blue Jays. You know, he visited Dunedin. Um, you know, he, uh, he maybe he likes the brand of being in Canada. And remember, the Rogers is a communication company, and maybe they feel with, uh, you know, that with that market with Otani, you know, that will be something that they can make a lot of money on. Uh, he visited the Dean, which surprised a lot of us. A lot of people think that Otani is going to end up as a Blue Jay. And you know, everybody thought before this whole process began the Dodgers were definitely going to get him. You know, maybe he doesn't want to do that to the Angels. You know, the Angels, he leaves, and then he goes double whammies them and goes 30 miles up the highway. So maybe he goes to the American League and maybe he goes to Toronto. That's what a lot of people think right now, that Otani's going to end up with the Blue Jays and that decision by the end of the weekend. Now, who knows? He's very secretive about this. But that's the rumor. That's what people feel. You know, going back to the Yanks for a second, uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, the, uh, Russo, the great Christopher. Um, you know, the, the season ended and, and, uh, what was shocking was there was somebody fired, but it was Buck, <laughs> you know, and we thought that would never happen, but I get it. I get it. David Stearns comes in. He wants his own guy, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't thrilled with the hire Mendoza, which got Severino to the Queens, by the way, but I get it. Okay. 
So now the Yankee fan is pissed. They won 82 games last year. They haven't won a World Series now since 2009. They've not been very competitive in terms of world championships. And it's another year of Cashman and Boone. And every Yankee fan, very anecdotal, Chris, but every Yankee fan I've spoken to the last couple of months, they're aggravated those guys are still here. Does this trade for Soto not take off all the heat from the Yankee execs they've been receiving for years? Yeah, plus uh, plus the owner, too. Everybody seems to think sometimes the owner's not his father and doesn't want to spend a fortune. Uh, so I think it takes some of the pressure, especially off Cashman. Boone's now going to have to win. Uh, the issue with Cashman, we all know Cashman's an excellent GM. Nobody's saying he isn't. But he's been there 25 years. I mean, Grant Tricky wasn't with the Dodgers for 25 years. Ed Barrow wasn't the Yankee general manager in the 30s and the 40s for 25 years, nor is George Weiss, 15. And Cashman's been with the Yankees for a a quarter of a century. That is way too long, way too long. And I think that is the issue a lot of Yankee fans have. Again, nobody is saying, you know, well, this is he's done a lousy job. I know the Yankees haven't been to one pennant in 13 years, but Cashman's a good GM. But 25 years, the length of his tenure is the issue. This will calm everybody down, and I think now the attention will turn to Boone there, Sid. He has to win next year. There's no question about it. He has to win next year. You and I both know that. Uh, The Yankees next year, you can make an argument that the Yankees next year, with this move, Boone's contractual status, you can make the argument for Boone's stature, he has to win a pennant. We'll have to wait and see on that. He might have to. He I agree. To. I think he has to, too. One more. We'll let you run, Chris. I want to change sports to football. You know, I understand that uh, they, they put all their eggs in Aaron Rodgers' basket. I get it. But, you know, I think Sellers stuck with Zach Wilson too long. I know, listen, Tim Boyle's not the answer. Trevor Simeon, I get it. But here are the facts on Robert Sella, okay? He's not been here for the better part of three-plus years. He's coached the Jets in 46 games. He's won 15 Every year they've got this uh, great defense. They compare them to the Bears of 85 back in week one. And every year is the same nonsense. The Jets just don't compete. So, very simply, do you give them another chance one more year to see if Rodgers comes back and can make this reality a dream? Or like me, do you say 15 and 31? I've seen enough. No, I think he's going to get another year. And, again, we got to give Joe Douglas a lot of abuse here, too. A, he drafted Wilson a disaster. And, B, he did not give Soller a backup option if Rodgers got hurt. He was a 40-year-old quarterback, and he gave him no backup. So Douglas has to take some hits here, too. You're right, Soller hasn't been Vince Lombardi. Uh, but let's also <laughs> put a little blame on Woody Johnson. Let's put a little blame on Woody Johnson. They gave Rodgers everything. They gave him Hackett, who might be the worst coach in professional football. They gave him the, they gave him Hackett. They brought in Cobb. He stinks. He's shot. They brought in Lazard. He's done nothing. Rodgers wanted Cook. They brought him in here, too. The Jets have done everything in their power to bow down to Rodgers, and I understand why they did it, but Rodgers basically is running the team, not Salah, not Douglas. Woody Johnson wants Rodgers to run the team, so as a result of that, I also think Rodgers will go to bat for Salah, too. Rodgers, I'm with McAfee a couple of days ago. I watched the whole thing. And we all know Rodgers thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. The whole world knows that. Yeah. You know, he thinks that he knows more about football than you ever did. And then he's upset because there's leaks about Zach Wilson. Aaron, this is not Green Bay, Wisconsin. There's 20 million people who live here <laughs> yep. who have been, who have, and there's a million guys 
who follow the Jets for a living, who are going to get some information about why Wilson doesn't or does not want to play, whatever the case might be. But here's what Rodgers has to take some responsibility for. He wanted all these guys in here. And Woody Johnson bowed down to him and brought them all in, and all of them stink. So Rodgers has to take some responsibility for that. And I think he will. But I do think that because of that, it's not all Salah's fault. And I think Salah uh, will get him back. Now, the one thing I would say, Salah cannot be sitting there texting with Joe Benigno. I know Joe's your buddy, but that, that is absolutely ridiculous. Listening to Joe's six-part manifesto on how to cure the New York Jets. He's a head football coach. What is he doing having, and and listen, and Joe's a super fan, but that's what Joe is. Joe's a fan. Joe is not an executive. Joe is not a coach. He's a fan like the rest of us. And for Sala to sit there and spend days upon days communicating with Joe about how to fix the New York Jets is absolutely ridiculous. You can't do that. That's (laughs) dumb. So, I mean, I'd like to see Salah learn. And everybody says he's a great guy. I don't know him. But, but uh, i like to see Salah be a little less personable yeah. and a little bit more coachable. But I do think at the end of the day, Salah will be back next year. I love that. Uh, by the way, Beningo is going to be on this show tomorrow. And he does. Uh, you're right. Salah, for some reason, relies on him. But then again, don't forget, your, your, you know, your old partner, Mike, used to tell us that uh, Bill Parcells never makes a decision without calling Mike first. Uh, finally, <laughs> Chris, on the way out, in the last 60 seconds, week one next year, is Daniel Jones the Giants quarterback? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think he will be. Um, you know, I think he will be. First off, he's going to be on a team because they got too much money uh, invested in him, so he has to be on a team. I don't think the Giants are going to be high enough in the draft order to get either May, who I don't like, out of North Carolina, and Khalid Williams out of USC. You know, Carolina, the Bears. So from that perspective, I think the Giants might even win another game or two. So they'd be in the middle of the pack. Well, not middle of the pack, but they'd be like eighth or ninth with the drafting order, sixth, something along those lines. So I don't think they I think they'd get a quarterback maybe, but I don't think that they will draft the guy that they have to play right out of the gate. So I do think Daniel Jones will be the quarterback next year for the Giants. And that's a tricky spot. Uh, you know, he's okay. He's not great. He's okay. Are you winning a championship with Daniel Jones? Asking a lot. Probably not. But they made a huge investment in him. This year you kind of got to throw out. So I do think Jones will be the quarterback next year. You know, everybody tells me, by the way, that the coaches hate Brian Dable. Everybody I talk to. Yeah. You know, I, well, I know, I know I that, uh, I know that, uh, the, 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 the defensive coordinator, uh, Chris, Wink Martindale hates his guts. Everybody can't stand him. So that is something I keep an eye on if I'm a giant, mm. if I'm a fan. Mm. Wow, really? Dable is that difficult with his staff that the whole world can't stand him? Interesting. That is not what you want yep. if you're a head coach. So I would keep an eye on that. And I've heard that from people who would know. So that would, that bothers me a little bit with Dable. But wow. I do think at the end of the day that Joe's will be the quarterback. And, and Dable will be back. Listen, uh, I love you. You, Jeannie, your beautiful family. Have a Merry Christmas. You've always been great to me, Chris. And I, when I introduce you, I mean all those things. I really think you're the best ever. And uh, unlike Brian Dable, everybody loves you because you're all, you're all too willing to give, man. You're great. So thank you for this wonderful appearance. Happy holidays. And I look forward to our next conversation. I love you, pal. Thank you. Good 
good job, uh, Sydney. A good story, by the way, on your niece, nieces and nephews. I heard Thank that. you. Good story. Thank you, Doggy. Thank you, buddy. God bless you. you All right. There he is, the great Christopher Mayor Dog Russo, who, again, is not just the best sports talk show host ever. He's a legitimately sweet man. He's a good, good guy. That wraps up uh, two hours of what I think is amazing radio with a lot more great radio to come. Dove Hyken, Mike Lawler, Judge Napolitano, and Bill O'Reilly. Come on, Bruce. Come on. Bobby G. Bruce Springsteen. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away And he was talking for I knew it And as he grew, he'd say I'm gonna be like you, Dad You know I'm gonna be like you And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when But we'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then well, you know, I love this guy, the late, great Harry Chapin. Harry would have been 81 years old today. Is that right, Lou Rafino? That is affirmative, Mr. Tonality. <laughs> Mr. Tonality. You know, uh, thank you, Kelly Ripper. You know, all these um, tributes we do, and we do a couple, well, every day, all these musical tributes, that all comes from Lewis. I, I get asked all the time. They go, your show's the best, Sid. You're the funniest. You're the smartest. Your guests are the best. Your music is great. Who picks the music? And the truth is, is I pick a couple of songs a day, always the first song of the morning, but the majority of the music, Lou picks. And uh, Lewis also finds all these great musical facts, which just is a part of the reason why Lou is the most valuable sidekick uh, in radio. It's not even close. Not even close. And um, so every morning when you hear all these uh, cool facts about these artists, that comes from... My man, Louis Rafino. You know, it's been three weeks since I spoke to the judge. Two weeks ago was Thanksgiving. Last week we were away. So it's been three weeks, and I can honestly say I miss him. The only thing that keeps me going is that Lou Rafino does a great impression of Judge Napolitano. When How you, you doing, Judge? When you see Harry Chapin, <laughs> you tell him a hello from me, will you? 
Oh, I, I, well, even if he's not alive, just say hi. We always, we're supposed to have a dinner soon. I know that. Yeah. Speaking of cats and trails. How about uh, tell Bill O'Reilly I said hello? <laughs> you tell O'Reilly. He owes me a phone call, too. Bill O'Reilly is coming up next. We'll also talk next hour to Mike Lawler and Dove Hyken. But here he is, the aforementioned Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge Knapp, how are you, pal? Oh, uh, good morning. I'm dying to hear that imitation of me, but I, but I got to tell you, I'm tired. I've been up all night putting the finishing touches on Juan Soto's new Yankees contract. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is uh, that's going to be a half a billion dollar deal, five hundred million. When the Yankees, in fact, sign him, they haven't signed him yet. He just got traded, but they will sign him to a long term deal for an awful, awful lot of money, the most ever. Are you a Yankee fan? I don't even know, Andrew. Oh, I am a diehard Yankee fan, and my. My house growing up in the 50s, there was another blessed trinity besides Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There was Mantle, Maris, and Barra. I mean, we were fanatics. My father was a super jock, and he just put Yankees and New York Giants into my brothers and me from my earliest memories. Happily so. Happily so. So It's It's a thrill to follow the mad dog, it really is. And I agree with what he said about uh, Daniel Jones. The Giants are stuck with him. Yeah, they are stuck with him, $160 million in. And, and yeah, dog is, uh, I had the opportunity to work alongside him and Mike for five years. I did the midday show with Jordy McDonald and Joe Beningo, Sports on Imus. Saw those right. guys uh, every day, and he's just, well, he's a wonderful guy, just like you are. But let's get to some of the serious stuff that's, um, that's going on today. Somebody sent me a message. You and I are close, right? We're good? Yes. Very close? Yes. Okay. Somebody sends me a message on Instagram yesterday. Swear to God. And they go, why do you talk to Napolitano? I said, what are you talking about? First of all, it's none of your business who the hell I talk to. He said, yes, I know that. We would get that, Sid. I know your shtick. He goes, but the truth is, if you listen to Napolitano, he's very anti-Israel. I said, I got to tell you, and I've been away, and Judge has not been on for three weeks but I find it hard to believe that these are guys like Sid, I'm telling you, because I'm very pro-Israel to the point where at times I'm insensitive and callous towards the Palestinians, and I say that with no remorse, none. He said, I'm telling you, the guy's anti-Israel. So I had to bring it up to you because I know it's ridiculous, but I want to give you a chance to fire back at that. Well, I don't know who this person is or, or why they've made that uh, allegation, but it's not true at all. Unlike you, I am sensitive to the deaths of innocents, Israeli innocents and Palestinian innocents. Yeah, but, 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 but you have to prove to me first, and little children, of course, I can't disagree, but you're going to have a very, very hard time proving, trust me, Judge Knapp, Palestinians are innocent. Trust me. They spend their days and nights from the second grade up. They teach these kids to hate and kill Jews. And a lot of those innocent civilians you're talking about were celebrating, handing out candy, dancing in the streets, slapping hostages across the face. So let's be careful with all the Palestinians are innocent outside Hamas. That is just not true. But it is also true that under international law and common standards of morality, they don't deserve to be slaughtered. Israel has absolutely every right to exist, absolutely every right to exist where it is. But, but, but did Israel have the right to be slaughtered? Did Israel have the right to be slaughtered on October the 7th? They, they got slaughtered. Well, of course not. Of course okay, not. So. I wish that Bibi had been awake that morning. I wish that it hadn't yeah, happened. Yeah. I wish that the government had paid attention to the intelligence that it got. I wish that it hadn't relied on AI. I wish that it had listened to that all-female uh, tank crew that warned something crazy is going on on the other side of the fence. 
so I don't know what this person is talking about, except that I do express uh, remorse and sympathy for the deaths of all non-combatants. That's probably what this person is misinterpreting. Well, that's fair. Uh, And I knew that was going to be the case because I know your heart. I know who you are. And I know how much you love me and the Jewish people. And and, and just so you know, most people are like you, good people. I'm a bloodthirsty, angry son of a bitch, and I want to kill, you know, a lot of people. But you're you're Sid Rosenberg. You're the king of the Jews. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I am. But by the way, I am the king of the Jews, but as a Napolitano, as a proud Italian, let's not forget who rides in that Cadillac convertible every year at the Columbus Day Parade and may even be next year the Grand Marshal, the same Sid Rosenberg. So I love all people. Correct, correct. And and I believe, as Pope Benedict XVI famously said, salvation comes from the Jews. The Jews are our older brothers. I'm speaking of Catholics. So there's no, that's not a drop, not an ounce of hatred uh, in me. I am a descendant of the Jewish people. And right you are. So let me uh, talk about our friend Donald Trump, who I'm actually having dinner with. It's a true story. Saturday night, it's Cipriani's here in uh, New York City. Can't wait uh, to see Please him. remind him that I love him. You uh, know, he sent me a beautiful message through you know, the great Joe Tacopina. Yes. Tell the judge I love him and miss him, but to tell the yes, president I, I love will. him and miss him back. I will tell him that. I will. He, um, you know, he's he's getting ready. Uh, you know, the this debate was last night. It was ridiculous. You know, I know O'Reilly's coming up next. Unwatchable. Unwatchable. O'Reilly thought DeSantis did a good job. We'll talk a little about it. I didn't watch it, so I can't even comment on it. I did not watch it. It's a waste of time. I mean, there's no one close to Donald Trump. There's no suspense. There's no reason to watch. None of these people can be taken seriously for at least four years. And even though Trump has all these legal issues out there, Judge, it does seem more and more like he's on his way back to the White House. No? I agree with you. Uh, but I have been sending him messages through my podcast and through my regular appearances on uh, Newsmax. Don't take the witness stand if you don't have to. Now, he's going to take the witness stand in this crazy, nutty civil fraud case, which shouldn't even exist. You're talking about the one, you're talking about the one in, in New York with Letitia James, and you're telling me his attorney wants him to take the stand or Donald wants to do it. I'm going to guess that Donald wants to do it because most attorneys would say, don't take the stand, because if he takes the stand, then the government can cross-examine him about anything, not just this case, but anything in his background. And if they do that, you're going to see all those federal prosecutors in the back of the courtroom making notes in preparation for their cross-examinations of him. So, Mr. President, don't give them the upper hand. Don't. Don't give them the opportunity to cross-examine you in public. Don't let those feds watch you being cross-examined in public. You've already made a very, very strong case that there was no fraud whatsoever in the operation of your business. You're going to lose before this judge because he hates you. But every time you appeal him, Mr. President, he gets reversed and you win. So you will ultimately prevail. But don't give them the opportunity to cross-examine you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. I am not an attorney, but if I have I a feeling said. if I called Takapina and Idala uh, right now, and even Baez, they would agree with you 100%. But I do want to ask not about this uh, case, but specifically, it's been a while since anyone's mentioned D.C. or Georgia. Georgia was the one, I think, that scared the hell out of some of Trump's biggest supporters, that ridiculous RICO case. And, and of course, we know that in the Georgia case, uh, the minimum is five years. If in fact, he's found guilty. Not a lot of talk about those two cases, but... They're coming up. What are your thoughts? Uh, is it still 
to you today as serious as it was a couple of months ago? Yes, it is because of the people who have flipped, including Jenna Ellis. Now, Jenna was our our dear friend Rudy Giuliani's sidekick for a couple of months between uh, November of 20 and January of 21. They traveled the country together. She's about to tell a jury that everything Rudy said he made up and everything Rudy said uh, Trump told him to say. I mean, that's devastating, but that's what they're confronting. So that's why I think Georgia has gotten worse for them, because about six of them have split, of defendants have flipped and agreed to tell the jury what the government wants to hear. Yeah, but, 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 but if you're a decent attorney, can't you appeal? And again, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. My wife, Danielle, is a tremendous attorney and you're a great judge. But can't you appeal to the jury and say, listen, don't worry about Jenna Ellis or the next five people. You know what the government does. They put the screws to these poor people. They've got no money, nowhere to go. They basically threaten them with their careers and their lives. They're going to say anything the government wants them to say. Can't the attorney yes. say that? Yes, yes, you can say that uh, to the jury. Uh, it's a form of bribery. Tell us what we want to hear. Right. It's a form of witness tampering, and we'll go easy on you. If the defendant did that, the defendant and his lawyers would be arrested for witness tampering, but the government gets to do it. But every time I have seen this, for some reason, the juries believe these witnesses when they flip. I hope this doesn't happen uh, in Georgia. In D.C., that appears to be the case that the government is focusing on. Uh, the one in Florida is going to take a long time. There's a million pages of documents to go through. Three-quarters of them are classified. It's going to be a long time coming. But the one in D.C. and the one in Georgia will be tried before Election Day. D.C. will be tried next March. She's not changing. That's not yeah. three months from now. Oh my He's God! Not changing that trial date. You're right. It's only three months. Sixty seconds to go, well, Judge. That's why I'm saying to yep. him, and I yep. hope you can underscore it when you have a dinner with him, Mr. Yep. President. I know you're going to take the witness stand on Monday. Change your mind. Okay. Those prosecutors are going to watch every time you bat your eyelashes and make notes. I don't want to give them a heads up. All right. Sixty seconds to go. Brilliant stuff as always. I really did miss you. You're so good. Uh, give me well, sixty seconds. You fact, Thank they you. Told me where you were, and they made me promise not to stay on air. I had what? a great time. <laughs> uh, with the Catman, with Andrew uh, Giuliani, and with yeah. Curtis, of all people. Yeah. Curtis asked me very legitimate, high-end, sophisticated yes, he did. questions. Well, just so I'm you know, uh, away. I wrote those questions for him from where I was at my <laughs> uh 60 seconds to go. Give me something on Hunter Biden. Anything new? I know there is some new uh, evidence there. What's the latest on Hunter Biden? Uh, he's going to be prosecuted uh, aggressively. Uh, probably not until after Joe is uh, is out of office. Uh, but the evidence of the shenanigans between Hunter and the father is uh, serious, and the Republicans are going to bring it out. Whether that results in impeachment or not, I don't know. I happen to think Joe's not going to run for re-election. He's going to go home to, uh, uh, to Rehoboth. But all that dirt uh, is going to come out. Judge Knapp, I love you, man. Great job. Great, great job. Welcome back. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Thank you. No, no more no more three-week breaks, my man. Love you, too. <laughs> no more. You're right. There he is. I really did miss him. He's a great radio guy and a terrific guy off the air as well. That's our good friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. We'll take a short break. So a lot more to come. Dove hiking live this morning from the Wailing Wall in Israel as we get set to light the candles tonight, folks. Folks, I should say. Night one of Hanukkah. 2023 coming up later on tonight. We'll talk to Congressman Mike Lawler and, of course, the big one, the great Bill O'Reilly. Oh, still a come.
Was just like me. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. And we're gonna have a good time there. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Psychedelic Furs. I love this song. Pretty in pink. I think John Cryer is Jewish. He played Ducky in this. <laughs> I don't think Molly Ringwald is. It was a good song. Happy Hanukkah, folks. Eight crazy nights all begins tonight. Quickly before I get to O'Reilly coming up. So we got a guest coming in tomorrow at 9.30. What's his name again, uh, Justin? Uh, <laughs> Just say it, dickface. God. Dr. Miklos Zantho. Not even close. Anyway, so I get a call from uh, Siggy Flicker down in Florida and Brian Lieb, and they go, this uh, Dr. Miklos guy, he's the most conservative, um, I guess he's a politician. I don't even know what the hell he does. He's in Hungary, and he, uh, like the run, he runs like CPAC in Hungary. He loves Trump, and uh, he knows Trump loves you. I'll be with Trump coming up this Saturday at Cipriani's, eating dinner together. That's all true. And uh, so this guy is coming in tomorrow. He's the most conservative figure in Hungary, runs the whole CPAC thing. And I believe that after he's done talking about the impact Trump has around the world, he's going to ask me to speak at CPAC in Hungary and Poland. I swear to God. Okay. And now Not can... only, but you know that everything I tell you, from the movie script coming yesterday to dinner with Trump on Saturday to Van Zant coming on yesterday, you know that everything I tell you is all true. I don't lie. I don't exaggerate. You can't believe it, but it's true. Well, that's why I didn't just bat my eyes and go, yeah, right, he's going to Hungary. Okay. Yeah, I'm going. Right. But I'm going to speak in Hungary and Poland. But what are you going to address? A CPAC. You, you really are. You're gonna... I swear to God. Well, you're going to find out tomorrow. i got to get to O'Reilly, but Dr. Mikos will be here tomorrow, <laughs> and he's going to invite me right on the air to speak for CPAC in Hungary and Poland. I, I swear to God, if that happens... It's going to happen! Okay, I, I just said. I've done a live show with Bill O'Reilly. I've done everything. I'm in two movies. It's going to happen. I'm just... I'm just envisioning like how the United Nations works and those uh, well, buffoons sit no, there no idea. and they talk yeah, and they have all have their listen, earphones listen. on listening. What uh, does he mean by m- spectacular? M- remember what Heath Ledger said when he was uh, the Joker in Batman? Wait till they get a load of me. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. All right, here it is, folks. O'Reilly, you'll get 17 minutes. Don't you worry. I'm going to keep him on 
right past the top of the hour until 05 because you got to get your 17. Nobody gets a longer segment than Bill. He was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best, whether it's 9 p.m. weeknights here on WABC or his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com, interviews and TV shows and columns. Chris Cuomo last night on News Nation. And, of course, the Killing Series, Killing the Witches. He's just the best ever. He really is. And one of the highlights of my life was being on stage with him not that long ago on Long Island, the great Bill O'Reilly. And, Bill, i got to tell you, I listen every morning to your morning message. I really do. It's the only time I stay in the studio during a break. And I had um, I, pl- I played a cut a couple of days ago from Tiki Barber, the former great giant running back. He does the afternoon show now with Evan Roberts. He replaced Craig Carton. And he was going on and on about how the Jets should cut Zach Wilson because he doesn't want to play. And then it, uh, we found out like a, like a minute later that he did want to play. In fact, it was his idea to go into his coach's office and ask to play. But I, didn't, I never heard Tiki come back and say anything different since his original remark. So to your point, Bill, same old, same old media, right? Same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, deterioration of um, information delivery to Americans is startling. And obviously the media is not going to report it because they're, they're at fault. Now, Tiki Barber is a good guy. I know him, but he's not a trained journalist. And the problem that he and many, many others, including trained journalists, make is that they read the clickbait on uh, the Internet. And then they don't check it out. Okay, so this was not a hard story to check out um, because it didn't make any sense. So Zach Wilson is making a lot of money. He's not going to play anymore for the Jets after this year. He's done. In order to showcase, he has to play on the field so some other team might pick him up. Correct? 100%. If there's any athlete, and the Brooklyn Nets have a basketball player who can't get on the court, um, what's his name? Oh, ben, ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Simmons. He's always hurt. He can't get on the court, okay? So his career is through at this point, Simmons. No one's going to take him. And it's the same thing if Wilson would, if this story were true, he would have killed his own career. So any journalist or even a smart person or whatever goes, this doesn't make sense. i got to check it before I say it. That doesn't happen anymore in America. It's all sensationalism now. So FAN is a sports, and they throw that headline out, that people will listen then. They don't like Zach Wilson anyway. Right, it's true. Okay, so they're going to listen. So the combination of trying to get an audience any way that you can get them, and not having enough fundamentals to know you have to check things out. And, and I want to talk about the debate last night, um, and I'm going to give you two examples of things that were said on the stage. Well, before you do that, I'm glad no, you brought I know, I know, but, but let me just wrap up this. Yeah. Tiki Barber, and I hope he's listening, has a lot of potential to deliver very good sports commentary in the city. But he's got to discipline himself and check everything out that he hears on the Internet. Everything. i got to tell you, uh, I'm very, very good friends with Tiki. You know that. For many years, you've had the same agent. And uh, he hears his piece, and I'm going to send it to him, Bill O'Reilly saying he's got tremendous potential. He's probably going to cry. He's going to be so happy. So I'm going to deliver that personally to Tiki Barber. And you're exactly right. I think Tiki would admit you're exactly right. Now, you mentioned the debate last night. I yeah. pride myself on this. 
And that is that I think I know most of the time, whether I agree or disagree, where you're going to go. So I got a piece of paper this morning that said, here's a clip of O'Reilly on Cuomo last night telling everybody who he thinks won the debate. So I played it this morning, but I introduced it and I said, listen, I haven't heard this. I have not heard Bill and Chris. I didn't see it last night. But here's my prediction. He's going to say the person that won the debate last night is Donald Trump because he wasn't on stage with these four idiots. But I was wrong. You actually think Ron DeSantis won the debate, don't you? Right, right. But, I mean, Trump was not even in the assessment um, because I had to deal with the here and now. I came on right after the debate. Yeah. Okay, and I was shocked because Cuomo uh, said to the national audience, by the way, News Nation did a very good job with that thing, top to bottom. Well, they had Megyn uh, Kelly. Megyn Kelly's terrific. Yeah, I mean, look, she's a professional. I mean, she knows what she's doing. She didn't hot shot it. Um, but I was so discombobulated when Cuomo said to Geraldo Rivera that he has a clear mind. It took me about <laughs> 20 minutes to recover from that. I'm going, see, is that the Geraldo? Is he talking to the Geraldo? Is there another Geraldo? Oh, God. Yeah, I, Geraldo's a clear mind. And then that's how I opened my part. I said, Cuomo, I, I, is, that just threw me off my game. Anyway. That's funny. Um, the, the reason that DeSantis won the debate, not that it really matters, because they're so far behind Trump that they're not going to overtake him unless something overtakes Trump, some other situation. Okay. But DeSantis tapped into emotion, which you have to do now in America. So the highlight, and he's not an emotional guy. That's why he's not doing that well. He comes across as an automaton out there. But he said, look, if I'm president, new sheriff in town, cliche, he's got to get another thing going there. But I'm going to get down, and if we can encounter the cartels in Mexico, we're going to kill them. That, boom, okay, because that's the number one issue among conservative Republicans. It's the border, because it's insane what's happening. Record amount of people yesterday coming into this country, and a percentage of them are going to wind up in New York City, which is why Eric Adams' administration is falling apart. It's all a link. I mean, you see that latest number, 28%. I I don't believe that number, but but we'll get to Adams in a moment if we have time. But absolutely, migrants are just killing him. Anyway, so DeSantis wins the debate because – he taps into emotion where Nikki Haley comes across as this, like Jeb Bush did eight years ago, kind of like this conventional politician. I am woman. Here we roar. Yep, yep. Is Helen Reddy still alive? Is she going to be VP? With <laughs> Nate? I don't know. I mean, look, she does. She comes across as calculated, and that's why Trump dominates because nobody knows what. The guy's going to say, all right? And he does have themes that he's the victim. He and Joan of Arc are the worst victims of ever <laughs> in the world. But, all right, he is not programmed, and it looks like Nikki Haley is. Yeah. So that's why DeSantis won. Uh, Ramaswamy, um, I, I don't know what he was doing there, Ramaswamy. <laughs> it's terrible. If, uh, yeah, it was no. not good. Right. Uh, and then Christie has no chance, 
But I loved Christie go sticking up for uh, Haley, telling Ramaswamy, "Don't you attack her personally." Hello, your whole campaign is attacking Trump personally. Right. Everything you do is Trump's the devil. And there, there he is. There's Christie, the knight in charming, extra, extra large armor, um, defending Nikki Haley for personal attack. And I'm going, how, how does this stack? <laughs> you know? So anyway, um, I, I was very interested a lot, a lot of things last night. And if you watch the No Spin News tonight on BillOReilly.com, and I hope everybody does, I'm going to do some fact-checking on a bunch of this stuff. One of the things that was really interesting was Ramaswamy, who is a pest, but I like him, um, saying that Haley is corrupt. Well, Haley amassed a lot of money when she left the governorship of uh, South Carolina. And I have the stats. She went from almost bankruptcy to about a $15 million fortune. Sounds like Stacey Abrams. Well, you know, I don't know if that's really what people want. I mean, that's why Biden's in so much trouble. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, I thought it was a pretty fascinating evening last night. Yeah. I mean, look, she, I think, uh, the Trump supporter hates her because she backstabbed him. You know, she left before her, her term was over yeah, as ambassador. Out on him. Yeah. And I was talking to a big shot in the Trump uh, organization. I said, you know, Trump would be smart to put Haley on a VP because she has gotten some traction and women no chance. No would chance. vote for her. And no all the polling says that she would wax yeah. Biden. Yeah. Haley versus Biden, much stronger than either DeSantis or Trump versus Biden. True, true. Okay. And then the person said to me, that's not ever going to happen. Not ever. In fact, nobody on that stage last night, nobody on that stage last night has a chance. Now, it's interesting because when Trump was on the last time with me about, about a month, about uh, six weeks ago, I brought up the VP. And his answer to me was, Sid, let me tell you something. There's never been a case where the president won because of his VP choice. He made it sound like it doesn't matter. This is about me. I'm Trump. I don't care. And I believe him. I really think. Yeah, he- but Trump needs to get more women votes. I, so- well, I, I brought up to him. I said, what about Nancy Mace? What about Carrie no, Lake? No, 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 what no, about it's- Elise Stefanik? What about. And I, bring, I brought up about five different women's names, and he seemed relatively unimpressed. Okay. So you, you know I'm your friend. Okay. Yes. That's why I'm on Sid and Friends, right? Yeah. Right, here it is for the Sid show. I like this. You ready? Yep. Sarah Sanders Huckabee. Oh, that would be unbelievable, Bill. That's the word. Really? Yes, indeed. Oh, I like that. Oh, do I like that. I love her. You know, I love her. I mean, you talk about a woman with courage and smarts. I like a Father Michael, too. She would be the perfect choice. I love that. Love it. Well, that's what I'm hearing. So, WABC listeners, you got a scoop. Sarah Huckabee Sanders. But what do you think? You know, again, here we are now. Uh, Iowa is no longer six months, no longer nine months. I think you just said it moments ago. The lead is insurmountable. Anybody who's holding out hope for Nikki Haley because she moved up a point in New Hampshire sounds like an idiot, if you ask me. This thing has been over. I say this, Bill. This thing has been over since the day Donald Trump stepped his foot down, believe it or not, in East Palestine, Ohio. Because if you go back and look, he had a miserable December last year, miserable Kanye West, ripped up the Constitution, all this stuff. He goes to East Palestine when Biden's taking pictures with Zelensky, and all of a sudden, America goes, 
my God, this guy really does care about us. You could almost pinpoint it to the day. Yeah, but the the overarch is that Republicans and conservatives are so angry at the progressive Biden administration. They only have confidence in one person to go in with the big hammer. And that's Trump. And that's why you saw all this week, oh, he's a dictator in the first day. He's got... And Trump exacerbates that. He bear baits that. You know what bear baiting is? Do you Not know really. what that is? I don't really know. Okay. Another scoop here for the Sid show. In the Middle Ages, people were so bored and they were dying like from the Black Death. So life expectancy was like uh, 22. So they had to have entertainment. The entertainment in medieval Europe was they would dig a big pit and put a giant bear in the pit and dangle food just out of reach of the bear. And the bear would get so angry. And all the townspeople go, boy, this is fun. That was before cable TV. Um, <laughs> that is bear baiting. I love it. I, w- I want to I go to that. Yes. Yeah, I know. But, but, I think, but they didn't I do it. It wasn't, still, it wasn't like the Romans. They still have that in Albania, right. but I'm not sure. But it wasn't like the Romans. They weren't dangling human beings like at the Coliseum, uh, right? Know, it, it depends how much uh, lager they had. And you could get there <laughs> around midnight. Um, But anyway, Trump knows when Hannity asks him, hey, you're not going to really be a dictator. Oh, yeah, on day one I will. But, you know, he knows. He's just throwing a grenade in there. But the Republican MAGA base doesn't have any confidence that any of the others will go in, if elected president, and destroy the progressive movement. I think DeSantis would try, but Trump, you know, he's going to go in and do some damage to these people, and that's the revenge thing that propels him. About three more minutes with uh, the great Bill O'Reilly, the most successful segment of the week here on WABC. I um, I missed the debate last week between Newsom and DeSantis. I was away. I'm not upset I missed it. I don't care. Uh, but I heard the reviews the next day, and I listened to smart people and what they had to say, like you. And, you know, Biden comes out yesterday and says, I got to tell you, if Trump wasn't running, I don't think I'd run. Well, I got news for you. People like Bill O'Reilly and others have said to me, they don't think you're going to run anyway. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't, everybody says the same thing unless Michelle Obama or The Rock decide to run. Gavin Newsom is next in line. Did he do anything last Thursday for you that says he could be a legitimate candidate? He broke the record. For evading questions. <laughs> I mean, it was held by Hillary Clinton. Oh, my God. Hillary, Hillary's in the, uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Politician Hall of Fame for breaking the record for never answering a direct question. Right. Newsom broke that record. It was it that was bad? Insane. Wow. In, no matter what you asked him, he wouldn't answer it. And no matter what fact you gave him, he wouldn't acknowledge it. That's all, because I gotta tell you, the, one of the, one of the, uh, folks I read the next morning, again, I was away, was Joy Reid, who of course is a racist and a horrible person on MSNBC. And she said that she thought Newsom delivered DeSantis a Mike Tyson ass kicking. Yeah, but, okay, fine. Uh, a six year old child would say that, and that's, <laughs> Pretty much where Miss Reed keeps her commentary right. in that kind of like um, preschool area. Yeah. yeah, this is insane. I mean, if you're watching that kind of stuff, then there's really nothing we can do for you. <laughs> really, there isn't anything we can do for you. 
I want to mention a couple of things here. Um, it's Pearl Harbor Day. Yes. And uh, we have a special on BillOReilly.com, Shock and Awe, what really happened at Pearl Harbor. And it's free for everybody. Just go on in and watch it. You'll like it. You know what's funny about what you just said? Today is Pearl Harbor Day, clearly right. one of the most important days in the history of our country. Of mankind. Of mankind. I'm going to tell you something right now, Bill, That's gonna you're going to agree with me, but it goes to show you what we've become. More people will be upset tomorrow because tomorrow is the anniversary of the assassination of John Lennon in New York City, which Howard Cosell told us about, than today with Pearl Harbor. Agree or disagree? Well, you're probably right in New York City, but not, not in the rest of the country. Gotcha. And, you know, I wrote, interesting you bring that up because Killing the Rising Sun, uh, one of my earlier killing books, deals with um, how Japan attacked us and what happened to Japan. Killing the Legends, my book before Killing the Witches, so deals good. with John Lennon. Lennon, Ali, and Presley. Right. So there's a lot of reading material, and that brings me to the BillOReilly.com Hanukkah Christmas store. All Tomorrow right. is Hanukkah, right. right? Tonight. It starts tonight, yes. Do you get seven gifts, or how many gifts you get? What What is that? Explain that to me. I'm only looking for one from Danielle, to be honest. <laughs> All right. Do you know what? Oh, I think I got the subtext to that. Hello? You have to wear hats and stuff? Oh, uh, whatever you want. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so uh, BillOReilly.com Hanukkah Christmas Store. Hey, we're saving you money. You can get all the killing books, all 13 in one bundle. Killing the Witches has sold 250,000 copies in a little more than two months. Can Jeez. you imagine that? Jeez. No, I, I mean, can't. In this day and age when nobody reads books because they all have that stupid machine in their hand. Right. So we got a quarter of a million in the bank, and, uh, you know, it's still rip-roaring. So Killing the Witches, all the killing books. And then we have a lot of stuff that um, will save you a lot of money because when you go to the stores now, they're just going to hose you on, on all the stuff you want to buy. So make it easy on yourself. Go to BillOReilly.com. Watch the special about Pearl Harbor Day. Uh, Sid is right. This was a monumental change in America and the world that people are starting to forget, and we just can't do that. Bill O'Reilly, you're so good. It's it's unbelievable. I love you. My audience loves you. New York loves you. The world loves you. And we'll all be watching BillOReilly.com later on tonight, I promise. Thank you so much. All right. Say hello to Tiki for me. You got it. I will. I'm going to send all him right, that clip. Cheers. <laughs> He's going to be so happy, Tiki, that Bill O'Reilly even mentioned his name, let alone said he could be really good. That's a big deal coming from Bill O'Reilly. Bill, I love you, baby. I really, really love you. More to come next hour, fourth and final hour. Mike Lawler and Dove Hyken live from Israel. Keep it right here. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC.
this guy for years. You have no idea. My cousin Mike Robbins down in Boca loves him too. This is the great Jewish rapper Matisse Yahoo as we get set to light the candles. Hanukkah 2023 starts tonight. Each and every day I pray to get to know you. Please wanna be close to you. Yes, I'm so hungry. You're like water for my soul when it gets thirsty. Without you, there's no me or the other. Oh, this guy's great. Nicely. Lou, I love you so much. You have no idea. Thank you, Louis. You know, um, my friend Donald Trump is about to go to court here in New York again today. And tomorrow, that's part of the reason why I'm going to spend Saturday night with the president at Cipriani's. The Young Republican Club, we got a big event, about 900 people. And uh, I'm going to eat with the president, actually. Maybe at his table, maybe next to his table. But either way, I'll be with Trump all night Saturday night. But he's here because he's got court the next two days, these bastards. Nothing better to do. We've been over this a million times. James, Prague, the low lives. Low lives. Mike Lawler, Congressman, Rockland County, on this show quite a bit because I like him. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Sid? I think I saw you out of the corner of my eye because I have no volume on. I'm in a different room. Were you on CNN this morning? Yeah, just about a half hour ago. Okay, I did see you. Okay. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. It's like four different topics. i got to get them quickly because I'm bringing on Dope Hiking Live from Israel. Let's start with the censoring process, which you actually sent to me yesterday, for Jamal Bowman. Where are we with that? Uh, we'll be voting on it this morning. Uh, you know, we had a debate about it last uh, night. Uh, Jamal Bowman sat there all smug, laughing, giggling, uh, thinking it was it was comical. Wait, so, so for uh, people that don't know, because they're not there. So this is very, very cool. This is inside baseball, Mike Lawler. So he is you're going to vote on to censure this guy today. And he's sitting there. He is sitting there doing all this discussion. And he couldn't give a rat's ass. Right. No. He, he thought it was one big joke, uh, you know, and here's the reality. As I said in, in my remarks, uh, he was a former middle, middle school principal. He certainly knows the difference between a locked door and a fire alarm. And when he went to the locked door, he pushed it. And, of course, the door being locked, it did not open. He took the signs off the door, threw them on the floor, walked over to the wall, and pulled the fire alarm. And as I said yesterday, it didn't say, in case of locked door, pull to open. It said, right. in case of emergency, pull fire alarm. He knew exactly what he was doing. He ran past not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, seven Capitol Hill police officers, didn't say one word. It took him an hour to get to the House floor after that to go vote. He says he was in a rush to get to the House floor to go vote. It took him an hour. When the bolo went out, the Capitol Hill police uh, went and questioned him. He immediately lawyered up. He went and met with Hakeem Jeffries. Long story short, he pled guilty. So for him to stand there yesterday and say, this is outrageous for me to be censured, he interrupted an official proceeding. The intention was absolutely to delay things because the Democrats were trying to delay the vote. They started walking in single file, one by one, to vote with a card as opposed to uh, a paper card, as opposed to their electronic voting card, to delay the vote by uh, over an hour. So for any of them to act as though, oh, it was one big accident, we all know it wasn't an right, accident. Right. They did it intentionally. Well, here's the thing, though. You guys were successful in censoring Rashida Tlaib last week, and I don't know any about this uh, this stuff. What do I know? So I have Anthony D'Esposito want to go, what does that mean? Well, basically what it means is she stands there, we all yell at her, and then it's business as usual. 
I mean, a censure is not enough. This guy broke the law. He should go to jail. I'm being serious. I mean, a censure is cute. It's nice. But it doesn't really mean anything. The guy's not fired. He's not expelled. What good is a censure? Look, he he, uh, obviously pled guilty to a misdemeanor. Uh, He had a suspended sentence and a $1,000 fine. Uh, There's not going to be two-thirds vote, which is what's required, to expel him. The Democrats are circling the wagons. Uh, but he certainly should be, uh, you know, at minimum embarrassed, uh, condemned right. and embarrassed right. on the House floor for his conduct. Uh, and, and look, he's going to have a primary. George Latimer announced yesterday, the Westchester County executive. Uh, and as I said in my remarks, I mean, this is a guy who literally shut his office down in August for two weeks, his district office and his D.C. office, and told all his constituents, Call your U.S. senator if you need help. We're off for two weeks. <laughs> I had to. I had so many constituents of his calling my office for help. And I have today Jewish constituents calling my office for help because they don't feel comfortable going to him for obvious reasons. George Latimer is a good guy. I kind of like George. So I think George has a real good shot here. Look, he's, he's been in public office for over 30 years. He's never lost an election. Uh, he works hard. He's well-liked. Uh, he will absolutely uh, give Bowman a run for his money, and and I think it's going to be probably one of the most competitive, uh, you know, congressional primaries in the country. Congressman Mike Lawler joining me again, as he often does. So talking about uh, guys like Bowman, Santos is out. That's over. I was uh, talking to Peter King yesterday. I'm going to see Peter later on tonight. I love Peter. He was actually in Joe Cairo's office on Long Island. I guess maybe they were talking to possible potential. Folks who are going to run for that George Santos seat. Now, it looks pretty clear that Swazi, Tom Swazi, will be the Democrat, uh, I guess, after, nominee after, Yeah, in the special election. Do you yeah. feel confident, Mike, that the Republicans will put somebody out there? Because I know you all hated Santos, and I think it's ridiculous. I do. I hate Talib. I hate Omar. I hate AOC. Santos is a clown. There's no question. But at least the guy voted for America every time, voted for Israel every time. We have such a slim lead in the House. I need Republicans. So me personally, I would not have gotten rid of him. But now that you did, are you confident we can replace him with a Republican? Absolutely. Look, uh, Tom Swazi is going to be the nominee after going hat in hand to Albany the other day and, you know, basically begging Governor Hochul to to allow him to run. Uh, But I am confident in Joe Cairo and the Nassau County Republican Party that the last three election cycles they have swept. They have won everything in Nassau. They have wiped out the Democrats, including this most recent election where the Democrats ran on George Santos as an issue and the Republicans won up and down ballot. Uh, Joe Cairo will choose a great candidate. All of us will get behind that person. We will all be out there campaigning. We will be raising money for that individual to make sure that we hold that seat, uh, not just in the special election in February, but in November uh, in the general election. We need to hold these seats in New York. It's the difference between radical socialists running our country uh, and, and you know, this wall of, uh, of defense here uh, pushing back reining in spending, securing our border, uh, you know, addressing the economic challenges, the failures of this administration. Uh, a Republican majority is critical, and we will do everything we can to maintain this seat. All right, get it done. Mike Lawler here on Sid and Friends in the morning. According to uh, Mike Johnson, I like him too, you guys uh, are going to get the votes you need to start this impeachment inquiry for Joe Biden. Okay. 
Uh, is that true? <laughs> that was that was the conversation on CNN, and I walked through all the facts. They're damning. Uh, the president's family has taken in over $24 million uh, through over 20 shell companies uh, from China, Russia, Ukraine, and Romania. Uh, the president said in 2020 that no money was ever transferred. His family never received a dime from China. It's just not true. So the impeachment inquiry is going to move forward. I will support it. Uh, I'm not there on impeachment, but there needs to be the inquiry. There needs to be an investigation, and the facts and the evidence uh, will determine any next steps, uh, if at all. But the facts as they currently stand are pretty damning. Not good for his kid either. I think I, I also saw today, and this is why it's great that you're here, that you guys also, the House GOP, you're ready, you're ready to hold Hunter for contempt. Is that right? Uh, I'll, I'll defer to Chairman Comer, but certainly if he refuses to cooperate, uh, I, you know, I can't see why he wouldn't be held in contempt. Uh, you know, he is he is central to obviously the investigations that a lot of this money started transferring to these shell companies while Joe Biden was vice president. It then transferred to the Biden family, uh, most of it after his time as vice president. But as as the, the bank records come in, as the investigation uh, continues, what has been uncovered is is alarming, to say the least, and makes Watergate pale in comparison. Is Joe Biden, Mike Lawler, in the final 30 seconds, is Joe Biden and all of them, his brother, Jimmy, his kid, Hunter, the Biden family, is this the most corrupt family to be in the White House in your lifetime? I have never seen a situation where you have 10 family members benefiting from deals with foreign governments. Did you say 10? Did you say 10? Somebody is in office. You said 10? 10. 10. It is, it is beyond disturbing what has come out so far. So I'm not going to characterize it other than to say the information that has come out is pretty damning. Um, but the investigation will continue. Uh, and we will let the facts and the evidence determine uh, what next steps there are. But the American people deserve to know what the facts and the evidence are, period. Agreed. And with all that said, my friend Donald Trump is the one in court coming up this morning. Hey, uh, Mike Lawler, great job as always. You're, really, you're great at this. So. I mean, uh, you're a great politician. I want you to – I need you. I need you in the House for a long time. But if you didn't do that, you can certainly do this. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sid. All right, Mikey. Happy, happy Hanukkah to you and your family. You too. All the best to you too. We'll talk again before Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to you. That's Mike Lawler, congressman out of Rockland County. He's a good man. That's a good man right there. And a terrific politician. We'll take a short break. Don't forget, sometime in the next 10 minutes, we're going live to Israel. My guy Dove Hyken is there. I believe he's at the Wailing Wall as we get set to celebrate night one of eight crazy nights. Hanukkah. 2023 is coming up later on tonight. Matis Gahu, I love this guy. You're a slave to yourself and them don't even know Wanna have to live the past life but your brain moves slow If you're trying to stay high, you're bound to stay low You want God but you couldn't deflate your ego You're already there, then there's nowhere to go Your cup's already full, then it's bound to overflow If you're drowning in the water and you can't stay afloat Ask Hashem for mercy and I'll throw you a rope Looking for help from God, you'll say he couldn't be found Searching up to the sky, looking beneath the ground 
down like a king without his crown. You keep falling down, and I really want to live, but can't get rid of your crown. You're trying to reach unto the heights and come down, down on the ground. Giving up your pride, then you heard a sound. Out of night come day, out of day comes light, and all I find to the one like sunlight in a ray. Make room for his love, hope for your gun blaze. Making room for his love and a fire gun blaze. What's this feeling? I love a rainbow hole in the ceiling. Give myself to you now from the essence of my being, and I sing to my God. Songs of love and healing, I want Mashiach now. Time to start to healing. What's this feeling? I love a rainbow skylight in the ceiling. Give myself to you from the essence of my being, and I sing to my God. Songs of love. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know that it would be untrue. You know that I would be a liar. If I was to say to you, girl, we couldn't get much higher. Come on, baby, light my fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. Try to set the night on fire. The Lizard King. Jim Morrison, the doors light my fire. I like this version a lot better than uh, Jose Feliciano, but I run the risk of being called racist. But the Lizard King was the man, brother. He was the epping man, brother. The Lizard King. Plus, he could see what the crowd was. That, too. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Trump is uh, going to court in a little bit. I'm sick by that, but selfishly, I'm happy he's here because I'm going to have dinner with Trump. No, not just me. There'll be 900 people there, but there's a good chance I'll be at his table of 15 on Saturday night at this New York Young Republicans Club dinner where I have uh, they put me on the invite as the honored guest, which is hilarious they've got trump they've got matt gates they've got all these really big time people there trump being the keynote speaker and yet my face is on the (laughs) (laughs) sid did you have your appetizer this is really good really one of the funny you say that because uh, gavin told me their risotto was very very good so my instagram post this morning which you can read at rosenberg.sydney has the actual picture of the invite with me on it mind you and um, I say that I may enjoy a sharing a risotto with Trump. But right now he's got serious stuff to deal with. So. <laughs> right, more serious than risotto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do, too. i got to talk to Dove Hyken. He's in Israel. Hanukkah starts tonight. He's sitting friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Okay. This, uh, this is a song that uh, there's a lot of Christmas songs out there. And... Uh, not too many Hanukkah songs, so uh, wrote, a, wrote a song for all those nice little Jewish kids who don't get to hear any Hanukkah songs. Here we go. Put on your yarmulke, here comes Hanukkah, so much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is... Festival of Lights. Instead of one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree, here's a list of people who are Jewish. 
Just like you and me. <laughs> David Lee Roth lights the menorah. So do James Conn, Kirk Douglas, and the late Dinah Shora. Guess who eats together at the Carnegie Deli? Bowser from Shanana and Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Paul Newman's half Jewish, Goldie Hawn's half too. Put them together. What a fine looking Jew. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock. Cause you can spin a dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. Both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke. It's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. <laughs> but guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. So many Jews are rich, showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I heard his agent is. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time to celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, bar, get a harmonica on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah. So drink your gin and tonica and smoke your marijuana. If you really, really want to have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah. And a happy Hanukkah to you, my friend uh, Adam Sandler. Always great as we do get set to light the candles tonight. You can add to that song, Sid Rosenberg and Dove Hiking, both Jewish. Dove right now, I believe, is at the Wailing Wall, still in Israel with his beautiful wife, Shani. Good uh, good morning, Dove Hiking, or good afternoon where you are. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to you and to everyone out there. And uh, it's uh, just amazing being here and uh, being near the Western Wall for the lighting of the first candle, time of miracles, we sure need them. And uh, it's been remarkable. Uh, And again, I want to thank you publicly uh, for making it possible. We've had a bunch of uh, uh, barbecues for Israeli soldiers one, two nights ago in the south. Uh, I I, got to tell you, it was raining. I was in the mud. Uh, uh, I'm still wet from two days ago. Uh, But it was it was spectacular watching these soldiers, uh, you know, coming back from Gaza and having a hot meal, steak, different kinds of chicken, burgers, vegetables. I, I, let me tell you, I will never forget those mm. moments, the yeah. hugs, the kisses, so the nice. warmth. And, and Sid, you're responsible. Wow. I mean it. I'm not wow. just being nice to you. You you know what I'm talking about. You 
directed things uh, to make these barbecues possible. We're doing one for the uh, border police on Sunday, 125 border police. So uh, I, I got to tell you, I, you know, tough times, but uh, the experiences, the moments are just beyond, no, you, you're an amazing, beyond anything. I know, and you and Shani are amazing, and uh, Yehuda Hanik, man. I know I, I saw your Instagram video. Hey, I don't mind making steak in the rain when these guys fight in the rain to uh, for the freedoms that Israel does enjoy today. Hey, don't do me a favor, if you can, in like 60 to 90 seconds for the Goyim out there and for Jews that don't know it either. Can you explain quickly the significance of this holiday, the oil, the menorah, and what exactly Hanukkah is? Well, basically, uh, going back many years ago, you know, part of our history, a time when Jews were faced with uh, great difficulties, uh, our enemies uh, uh, were at our throats, uh, and you had a group that was a small group in the very, very beginning. Uh, 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 they were called the Maccabees, uh, a bunch of brothers who took it upon themselves to fight uh, those who were much stronger, much stronger than the Jewish people. Uh, they were in greater numbers than the Jewish people, but they were brave, they were courageous, and they were victorious. Uh, but the story with, with, the, with the candles and with the oil is uh, the story of when they came to the area of the Holy Temple and uh, they were looking to, to, to light uh, the menorah. Uh, there was very little oil. Uh, there wasn't enough even for one day, but uh, the miracle was that it lasted for eight days. And, of course, now we celebrate for the next eight days uh, this amazing holiday Every single day, starting with one tonight, uh, uh, I do it at my home, uh, my place in Jerusalem. But uh, being at the Kotel with thousands and thousands of Jews to celebrate the miracles of the past and the miracles that are happening right now, Sid, with all the difficulty. And, you know, again, as I said on your show way back, uh, the horrors that I saw. And I remember saying to you with tears in my eyes. I'm not even telling you everything that went on here. I can't even tell you. I can't tell your audience. But in the last couple of days, the world is finding out the, the barbarism worse than anything I described in yep. the past that yep. I knew about yep. at that time. What yep. was done to innocent girls, women, the most, I mean, it's all there in detail, for God's sake. So this is a, I said it then that uh, Hamas will be destroyed I guarantee it, they will not exist very, very soon. I agree with that. The only question uh, is, is how much more will the United States, you know, uh, kind of do an about face with all their nonsense? I mean, if I got to hear Blinken and Biden and this administration one more time, tell all of us how they basically have to pull back and don't kill innocent people and be careful and make sure you follow the rules of blood. I mean, it makes me nauseous. It really does. I and I know that uh, there is some truth to that. I get it. You don't want to just murder innocent people. But um, at the end of the day, this is war. People are going to die. And I'd be much happier if Lincoln and Biden just shut their faces and let Israel do what they've got to do. But they don't do it. They don't do it. I, you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, look, no one wants innocent people to die. But who do you blame for that? Who's responsible every single day as the Israeli army moves further and further in doing the job they need to do? We are discovering every single day other hospitals, uh, uh, community centers, 
schools, you name it, that are basically being used, were being used by Hamas. They were using the people of Gaza. They were using their fellow Muslims. They don't give a crap. They don't care how many Muslims die in Gaza. So it's about placing the blame in the right place. And I got to tell you, I hope this administration uh, doesn't mess things up uh, by pressuring Israel. But I got to tell you, Sid, it doesn't matter. Israel will finish the job regardless of what Biden or Blinken or anyone else says. Mark my words. I know what's going on here. Israel can not stop. They won't you stop. They you won't stop. Yep. You show weakness. They won't. They win. I agree. That's simple. I tell you one thing that has uh, made me somewhat upset because somebody asked me in the gym a couple of days ago, do you think that people in Israel are in a party mood? And I said, yeah, I do. I think they're going to celebrate this Hanukkah like it's the best one ever because they've been through so much horror and now to come together on this fest of eight days, I really believe they will. But I have to tell you, Dove, I'm not sure you're keeping score. You're in Israel right now. But there are a lot of places, a lot in the United States and London, the London Council, that every year has public menorah lightings. They've canceled them over fears that the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian people and the pro-Israeli people will come to -to hand-to-hand combat. They are actually canceling festivals and menorah lightings all over the U.S. and all over the world. That is not good news. That that is not good news. And my, my message to everyone out there, if you wear a yarmulke, continue to wear it. And if you don't, put it on. This is the time to show you are proud. Wear your Star of David. Light your menorah. If you usually do it inside, maybe you could do it. See, out here in Israel, the weather is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But this is the time to show courage, to show strength, not to be afraid. When you are afraid, the the bad guys win. It is a victory for our enemies. So it is pathetic. Look, I was watching the, the head of Harvard University, the pathetic display in front of the United States Congress. How sick was that? How Terrible. pathetic was that? Terrible. I mean, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, 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 I mean, you want to go to Harvard? No. When no. The people no. who lead Harvard are so pathetic? Not just that school. Elise Stefanik, our beautiful congresswoman here in New York, took apart uh, the Harvard president, the MIT president, the Pennsylvania president. She took apart all three in one day in D.C., and it doesn't end there right here in New York. You've got Columbia. You've got uh, NYU. You've got schools all over the country, all over the world, that are kowtowing and bowing to murderers. But, hey, i got to let you run. I want to wish you and Shani and Yehuda and all of our IDF soldier friends and all of our beautiful people, they're beautiful people in Israel, the happiest and the healthiest of all Hanukkahs. And, and enjoy those lights tonight, Dove, and I'll see you and talk to you again very, very soon. Chag Sameach. Thank you, and. Thank you, Sid, for being one of the Maccabees of today. Thank you. How do I, how do I say the end to that? Oh, I can I love you. Please be safe. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. Oh, I love you. Anio Hevata, that means I love you in Hebrew. We're coming right back. Now I've been happy lately, thinking about the good things to come. And I believe it could be something good has begun. 
Summer is still all the lights, lights, baby, Hanukkah. Those two interviews this hour are both great. Dove Hiking and Mike Water brought to you by Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Borders. Check them out today. They build the world's best borders at PeerlessBorders.com, PavilionTankless.com. You sing it, baby. 